good you know especially after that talk we had earlier you know like just having private talk uh, i'm definitely doing great man um good. that advice you gave me definitely helped me a lot so i really really appreciate you for that man awesome man glad to hear it awesome all right so we have a few people in the room so for those who's just um joining us welcome welcome all right so we're gonna get right to it so we are here because on March 21st, you are coming out with a book. Yes, sir. Let's talk about this book, my friend. Sure. Where do you want to start? Um, how, how, did it, how did it all become about? Like, how did the title come about, the theme, everything? So let's just start from the title, I guess, and then let's see where it goes. <laughs> okay. uh, so the book is A Boat for the Sinking. And... It's kind of interesting how the the entire thing came about. Um, I began writing it almost immediately after I put out uh, Real Big Americans In, uh, just as a way of continuing to be creative. I just tried to keep that constantly happening, you know. And when I first started writing this book, I was still partaking in really bad habits. I wasn't treating myself well. And that all kind of changed in August of last year. So as you know, I lost my dad in uh, February of 2019. Uh, I wrote The Year the Soul of the Light Away. And, and basically that, that from February through August of last year, I drank and I drank and I drank. And that was probably... Uh, it would be fair to say that it was every day for four years. Wow. Yeah. And um, then August comes around and I catch COVID. And, and it really, really hits me hard. It put me in bed for about a month. You know, I was out of work for at least three weeks. Uh, by the time it was all said and done, I was down about 30 pounds and was really just never quite the same after that, I guess. And that kind of placed me on a different kind of path. And now I've, uh, I don't know, I'm a, I'm a much different person. 
than who I was when I started. Wow. Yeah. Wow. No, um, as far as the, the drinking and the relating to that aspect of it, I get it. Because I remember um, I didn't understand it then, but I understand it now with my father when he lost his mom um, every year on the day that she passed away, December 30th. She was always, I mean, he, he was always depressed. He used to get drunk a lot. And it was just to the point where my mom just like, like, here we go again. This is every year for maybe 10 plus years, maybe 20 at that. And I didn't understand it then, but I understand it now only because now that I've lost my father back in 2018, um, he died literally three months after I got married. So um, even though I didn't, um, like, I didn't have that kind of a situation happen to me where I was drinking or anything like that, but I was depressed. Um, and the, the events that happened, unfortunately, it was one of those things like, okay, this is what it is. Now I have to just go back to my life. And that was hard because the transitioning back to, wait, this just happened. But now the transitioning back to that was difficult and it, it, it my marriage wasn't good you know um I didn't I wasn't present and I didn't really have a lot of closure you know and it's like there'd be times where I will look back at my father and I realize because I saw my father doing what he used to do I would get constant reminders well hey don't do that because you know what that's gonna do and you used to have this drinking problem don't do that but it's hard right you know especially something like that because for me personally um when i lost my dad it, it was i didn't know how to process that like my right. mind I, I guess you could say i had like a late reaction because it wasn't until maybe new year's eve the day of, of that year um december 30th of that year that's when everything just started just, you know, I just started crying. Like for no reason, we were just having a conversation and I just broke down crying. And my wife's like, what's going on? And I tell her, I don't know. Like, I just broke. Yeah. I guess when you have so much things bottled up like that, it, it weighs you down. I think about like a book bag, I guess mm -hmm. you can say, where the, he the more stuff you put in that book bag, the heavier it gets and you fall back like that. Sometimes you ha like... Once it falls on the floor, to try to pick that book back, back up and to try to put it back on, it's very, very, uh, it's difficult, you know? So, like, I, I, like, just that feeling, that feeling is very, it's hard, you know? Yes, it is. Yes, um, it is. Yeah, so, like I said, um, there's no real, it, it's crazy. Yeah. 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 You can't really, you can't really describe to someone that hasn't lost a parent. You know, if, if you have a good relationship or even if you had a, a strained relationship with your parents, there's no real way to get across what, that, what that's like to lose one. But, uh, yeah, the, the new book is just as much about, I would say, just as much about a transformation as anything else. Uh, after, after getting COVID, I got sober and it's been uh, 200. This is my 209th day without alcohol. Wow. I'm down. Congratulations, man. Thank you, man. I'm down 70 pounds since last August, and everything has changed. Everything has changed since. And so uh, the book is very much about, is very much really just the uh, that journey. You get to kind of just walk along that, but I've, I've written in a way where 
I feel like anybody can kind of insert themselves into it. So, so walk me through that process because I know you said you were sober for what you said two hundred and thirty days. You said two hundred nine. Yeah, two hundred nine days. Um, that what what was that pivotal point that you decided? Okay, that's it. I can't do this anymore because that process, that transition. I would I I mean I, I I used to have a drinking problem, but not 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 as severe as that. Like I remember my dad used to be such an alcoholic, and I guess, you know, just the whole thing with that. Um, how difficult was that transitioning into? Okay, now it's time for me to maintain my sobriety. Now, how difficult is that for those who are let's say dealing with that right now and feel like they don't know what else to do. How difficult is that process and how difficult is the transition to that? Um, I think for me, with really, really having been, having been that sick, uh, you know, alcohol wasn't the least bit appealing to me in the moment, you know, it, nothing other than feeling better mattered. Um, kind of detox while having COVID was rough, but uh, and, wow. and right after coming out of that and you're, you're trying to avoid your old triggers, you're trying to, uh, you're just trying to find, find new perspective and everything. And, and I'm not going to say it's, it's easy by any stretch of the imagination. It's not, it's very, it's very difficult. And, uh, but I, you know, it, like anything else, it does get easier. Sooner or later, anything just becomes life if you stick with it long enough. Um, it's, all, right, all matter, right. it's all a matter of willpower. and It's all a matter of uh, perspective and, and trying to make sure that you're aligning with yourself and keeping yourself right, right. accountable. And, uh, but it looks different for everyone. And I, you know, my heart goes out to anybody that's dealing with it. Yeah, no, I um, like I said, like I know I've I've struggled in the past with drinking, but my biggest struggle for me was drugs. Honestly, um, it was a lot of like I did I used to do a lot of Molly, you know, and stuff like that. And to me, just that like the minute I came to the Lord and just that, like you said too, that transition, okay, like I I I'm changing into a new thing um and with that being said um and there was a question that was asked it says what about covid wait what about covid made you realize that this was the time is what angela murray was asking uh angela i would say that there was an evening that my heart rate was i'm trying to remember what it was it's extremely high my left arm was killing me and i was really, really struggling to breathe and my children were wondering if I was going to be okay. And that was really, I was never going to face that again. So uh, I knew once I got well, the, the only solution was to get completely well and to push myself and to, to get healthy because the, the bottom line is I have to be there. I have to be here for them. And uh, whatever that, that takes is what I'm going to do. Wow. That's awesome, man. Um, I was going to say, too, like, I've had COVID twice in my life. Um, the first time was, uh, that was insane because I didn't know what it was. And this was the first time that I had to isolate myself, literally in this office, while my son and my wife were doing their thing. And I felt so bad when what happened. And because the thing is, I work at a pharmacy, so I was dealing with people all the time. 
And the second time around, it wasn't as bad, but I kept getting these headaches. Now, I didn't know, and this is, this is um, about COVID that I'm still trying to understand, but uh, I think it was last year, I almost died because I didn't know that you can't take ibuprofen when you have COVID. And I was like, okay, my headache's getting worse and worse. What is going on? And then that's when my wife tells me, okay, like, baby, you're not supposed to take, take that. I'm like, oh, well, I didn't know. You know, but again, it's just so unpredictable how and it's just it's crazy too because it, it takes me back to remember remember back in the day remember when we had the lockdown and remember when COVID was yeah I'm I'm old enough to remember the lockdown and and fourteen days to flatten the curve and and all the all the greatest hits I remember all that but it was just insane it's like now it's not as bad but you know what I I can say about COVID is that I feel like when it first happened, the lockdown, and then now, okay, now it's like, okay, we get it so here so often. But isn't it interesting that some, like, just COVID itself is what it takes sometimes for us to have a realization about something, and then it's time for us to now, okay, let's let's make this happen. I feel like for me, COVID back in 2020, I think a lot of true colors came out. A lot yeah. of things happened. A lot of... uh craziness take place and it's funny like i don't want to say it's funny but it's interesting how even we move forward from that obviously we're not in that time anymore but i find it interesting how every time we have covid like me when i had it the first time i felt like like i had life flash before my eyes because knowing not knowing how unpredictable predictable covid can be it's like oh my god like okay these five days locked in my room not being able like I had to do like a voice call whenever I needed something from my wife and my wife would say, Hey, it's right here on top of the table and her wearing a glove. Like, it's crazy to me. Like during those five days, I learned a lot about myself, about isolation. And it's just so crazy to me how I, I something think, like, cause yeah, I was going to say to, to your point, I think that you can kind of look across all of social media right now and see the effects that it's had on countless people. And, and yeah. COVID was just one, one piece of that, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah. I think people are, uh, are definitely shaking awake in a, in a way that they never have before. And I think that COVID had a lot to do with that lockdown in particular. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And I know some places had it worse than others. And um, Angela has a question. She says, did you realize there was an issue prior to that night? And she says, sorry, follow up. Okay. Oh no. Yeah. Um, if you're speaking in terms of my drinking, uh, yeah, I was I was definitely aware that I had a problem, uh, but I was I was in denial about it. Uh, if you're asking about you know any sort of like heart issue or whatever I was experiencing that night, no, I hadn't experienced anything like that prior. Wow, wow, wow. So. Um... Wow. Nah, I just, you know, it's because I'm just absorbing everything and it's just like, wow, man. Um, wow. But like I said, man, um, so much respect for you. Like, just, you know, open up to us like that and this that struggle itself, you know. Um, again, like, my hands off to you, man. Um, well, your ability's power, my man. Yeah. No, of course. Um, real quick, for those who's just coming in, if you have any questions, you can definitely... 
asked them. Um, I don't understand this Instagram thing, so I don't know. I didn't. If you have the new version, I guess there's like a question bubble. I guess you could put it there, and it should pop up. If not, you can write in the comments, and hopefully, oh, here we are. We have a question now. Um, this is by Anthony Desmond Poetry. He says, "How does your new How does your new book, A Boat for the Sinking, differ from your last two collections?" That's so funny because I was actually, I think, I was leaning into my next question. So that's okay. That's a good one. That, that's a question from a really, really talented writer. If you don't know who Anthony is, so make sure you check him out whenever you get done talking with me. Um, you know, Anthony, I, I don't know how different it really is um, there's definitely it, it's it's approaching my writing from a, a much different perspective I, I will say that and uh, I challenged myself in different ways and I would say that the sobriety definitely had an impact on the on the way that I went about putting the book together and, and the finished product but uh, I would uh, I would be interested to know what you think after you after you read this knowing that you've read a lot of my stuff in the past, I'd be very interested to, uh, to know what you think, Anthony. Wow. All right. I'm just checking something quick. So why don't you, uh, oh wait, uh, thematically or structurally is what Angela wants to know. I would say uh, thematically, uh, structurally, I'm uh, free verse. It's just kind of how I'm, right it's it's going to look however it needs to look it's going to feel however it needs to feel i don't really put a lot of rules on myself when it comes to how i put them together you know no i got you got you so okay so 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 let's um have a preview of what to expect from your book sure you want to read a piece from your book yes absolutely i felt book three offers more hope to the reader. Oh, that's what um, Tara Carabu had said. Tara would know. <laughs> yeah, she, she would definitely know. And that's another very talented writer, if you don't. Yeah, um, I, yeah, I know Tara. I'm, I know, yeah, I, I do have an upcoming episode coming soon with her. I can't wait. That's I'm awesome. actually excited for this one as well. It's interesting too, because it's like everything is just aligning yeah. like so yeah. perfectly. So it's like, oh snap. Absolutely. Like, cause I remember the first Absolutely. time we did, we did the whole, um, the first one with your first book. And then here we are two years later and you have your third book. And then I'm, I'm interested to see what she's going to say when I have this interview with her. It's, it's exciting, man. Um, again, congratulations on the book so far, bro, my friend. I, I know you're going to do more things, man. Appreciate it, man. Thank you very much. Thank you. Uh, I'm going to read you the first, uh, really the first piece in the book. It's called uh, Coffee Poetry Fetch. Is this what you'll remember and what I hope is many years from now? On another back porch with another dog, another stick, another book, another winter, warmed by the laughter of your child and strong coffee. When I I'm the cardinal perched on the branch, and, and my face comes in fiery flashes of memory. We, you think of the fence, the cold of the concrete seeping through your socks, the low bark of the wild-eyed catahoula begging for another throw. I'll find you there. I'll fold my wings neatly and sing a song of what's to come. Wow. 
talk talk to me about that piece, man. I love that, especially the um the cardinal on. Oh my god, that's cool. Talk to me about that, man. You gotta tell me about that piece. That's awesome. I love that. Thank you. I appreciate that, man. Thank you very much. Um, the cardinal is a reoccurring image uh, throughout the book. That was something my dad always talked about, and my mom and I talk, talked about uh, after losing dad. You know, you anytime you would see a cardinal, uh, when cardinals are here, your angels are near kind of thing. And so I went through a time where I just obsessed over that image after losing my dad, you know? And so uh, that piece was really just about being with my children now and, and trying to see the world again through their eyes, coming from such a, such a hopeless time where I'd kind of settled into this really like nihilistic mindset uh, to coming back to my heart, just kind of being wide open again. And when you're receiving that kind of energy back again, it's, it's really overwhelming. And uh, I found myself kind of overwhelmed with emotion constantly now, um, not just wild emotion, but gratitude. You know, I find myself in tears a lot uh, because of how thankful I am for my family. And so a lot of the book also deals with uh, thinking of, in terms of my own mortality in relation to being a parent. You know, the idea that one day they're going to, to experience that grief, you know, and it, it keeps me accountable to how I communicate with them. And uh, it's just something I can't help but you know, as I get older, can't help but obsess about thinking about uh, no. existential things. No, I I get that. No, because it's interesting too. Because I remember when my dad passed away. Because we, um, he passed away. We had the funeral in New York, and then we had the funeral in PR. So that's where his burial is. And I remember the minute he already went down, they started covering the thing and we're walking away. And it's funny because when you talk about the Cardinal, they reminded me of my dad's funeral in PR where I look and I saw this bird thing. Just, I don't know what it was about that, that bird. I'm looking and I'm like, okay, am I the only one that sees this? And it's like, I kind of felt my dad standing there saying, don't worry about it. I'm okay. You're all good. You'll be fine kind of thing. But I felt some ounce of peace when I saw that bird. It's interesting when you say that, because that's exactly, yeah, that's exactly that. And it's, so when you talked about the cardinal, that's what it brought me back to. And he was on, like, that bird was on top of a random tombstone that just happened to be nearby. And I'm just looking at that bird like, okay, I see, I see what it is, Lord. Okay, I see it. He, yeah. I know he's in good hands, but would I like to have my thing there? Oh, of course, my father there, of course. But, you know, it's like um, the saying goes, some things don't last forever, you know, and um, Angela says, Angela says, birds and spirits have been commonly expressed throughout many different people's experience. And just going to shout out to Arthur J. Wilhelm. He, um, he just released an album, recorded poems. Um, CD got sold out the same night. So just, awesome. um, it is on Spotify. It is on Spotify. If you guys want to check them out. But yeah, just thought I'd give a little plug yet. But anyway, yeah, so back to her... Um, Angela's comment about birds and spirits have been commonly expressed throughout many different people's experience. What is your intake on that? Uh, I'll just say this, like, for example, you, you sing that Cardinal on that tombstone there. I don't believe in coincidence. And so, um, you know, that, that was your sign. That, that was your acknowledgement. Yeah. And uh, yeah. 
Yeah, I, I absolutely believe that there's a correlation. I definitely believe that too. Yeah. yeah. It's a beautiful thing too, you know. That's what I love about it. Absolutely. Um, so we're going to go a little bit back in time, you know, to your first book. Um, guys, it's on Amazon. You can check it out on, um, was it a Raw Inc. on their website? They have it as well there, right? I'm not yeah, mistaken. Raw Earth Inc. Raw Earth Inc. And uh, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Lulu, uh, Google Books. I think that's what it's called. All the, all the places, all the places. Awesome. So, so I was gonna, um, hey, CC, what's going on? Welcome. Um, I was gonna read a piece, but then Angela brought up an interesting comment. So I, uh, I gotta love my, one of my co-hosts. <laughs> uh, she says, expand on your thoughts on coincidence. If I expand too much on my thoughts on coincidence, we'll go down a rabbit hole. And we will, <laughs> we will be there a very long time. Uh, and if we want to have that conversation sometime, we definitely can. Uh, but if we're going to talk poetry, I think <laughs> we, we may not want to go too far. Uh, just, just know that I, I believe that there is no such thing as coincidence. I believe uh, that all things are of the spirit. And all things are as they should be. And so Amen. That's, what, that's, that's what I'll say. Um, she said, I know. Sorry, Andy. No, it's fine. She said, I want, I want to go there. Okay. Poetry. Totally. <laughs> totally. Man, we um, can absolutely do that sometime. We can absolutely do yeah. that sometime. Yo, yeah. See, this will be a part two for sure. If that's the case. Yeah. Um, oh my God. Okay. So I'm going to read this piece and then you give me your thoughts about this piece. So the sure. first piece that the piece I'm going to read is from his very, very first book, the year that stole the light away. And it's called Dig. Every day I return, shovel in hand, and I dig. I dig to keep my sanity. I dig to find the sacred words. The words we etch into flesh and tombstones. Words that will echo across all the years you'll never see. It's interesting with this piece because I feel like this kind of connects to what you've been talking about right now. Talk to me about this piece right here. Uh, it's really just kind of a nod to the muse, you know, your, your drive and your need to create when you're a writer or, or an artist of any kind. Um, there's, there's a part of you that is just can't be at peace if you're not doing it, if you're not right. in the process of doing it, you know, and having your hands in the clay, uh, so to speak. So, uh, it was, it was thinking about that, thinking about how I, I was making myself, I don't want to say making myself, that's not entirely true, but I, I was inspired to, to ride for about 75 days straight or something like that when I wrote that book. And I, I used to have a note somewhere on my phone saying uh, how many days in a row I had done it because I'd started keeping tabs. Um, but I've, you know, my personal feelings on writing and uh, craft in general is that you you need to spend time on the water you know what I mean uh, I, I don't believe in luck necessarily so I don't think it's about being there right place right time this is going to be on the line I think you've got to be out there too I think intention uh, has a lot to do with it so uh, yeah that that's the best way I can describe that piece is just a, an ode to the muse yeah awesome uh, let me just check something quick to see 
Yeah, 75 straight days. I wish I could do it again. I haven't touched anything like that since. So I'm, uh, it would be nice. Uh, and then Tara said, I agree fully intention. Yeah, I definitely agree with you on that one. Um, so I have a question. So from your first book, um, The Year That Stole the Light Away, and then from the second book that you printed out, which was um, Real Big American Zen, and then this book now, do they have a connection together? Or, or what do you, in your, I'm sorry. Yeah, do they all have some kind of connection together? Is my question, whether it's theme or the way the structure of the poetry that was written? Uh, I would, well, I mean, they're all pretty much free verse uh, poetry as far as that goes. Um, as far as any kind of continuity from one book to the next uh, in terms of the pieces themselves, uh, not particularly, no. Um, it's just kind of, uh, they're, they're almost like travel logs, really. I kind of see them the same way I saw uh, writing songs. And it's okay. In fact, I I don't see them really any different at all. It's just kind of where my feet is at the, at the time. You one thing you'll probably notice when you read my poetry is, if you read my poetry, is that the titles themselves don't always really have anything to do with the poem. And it could be uh, whatever the thing was that sparked that initial moment of aha, you know, that that inspiration moment, uh, and whatever inspired that that time is going to be what I title the piece. I'm not necessarily worried about, you know, trying to make sure everything's nice and neat and pretty. It's, it's more, I want to note what set me off, you know, because yeah. I, I, think the, I think the art of creation itself, you know, being inspired in spirit, right. You're, you're, you're tuned in, you're tapped into the source at that point and you're just receiving. And I think that the best writers and the best artists in general are the ones that really are just so like, turned over to that and so deep into that yeah no no amen amen so all right so i'm gonna read another piece and um and this is from the big american zen oh yeah you can't sit on the toilet without an intentional release yeah i mean amen. yeah sure <laughs> oh man no but i i i know but um all right this is from the this is from the second book, Real Big American Zen, and this is gonna go back to what we talked about earlier. Only because um, I want more. I would like to have a more expansion on this. Um, so it's called Father and Son. Um, they're eating tamales at the table across from me. The father and the son. So many similarities. The way they hold their forks, their posture, the infection in their voice. Son is engaged in the conversation with the father. That's good. He doesn't know how I'd come across this table. If he were sitting at this goddamn phone, one day he'll be willing to lose a hand to have this moment back. Talk to me about that because I saw a situation kind of like you're just talking, like you know, whoever you're with. I saw that as like, wait, what's going on over here? But like I'm drawing attention because I, I know when I go to a restaurant mm. or when I go to a place, I'll. Like, I'm talking about weapon. I'll draw attention to the weirdest things that happen around me. I don't know. It's something about that. It's like I'm watching another movie or I'm in their world for a second. I'm trying to see it from a different perspective. Like, talk to me about this piece right here. I, I remember where I was when I wrote that one. And 
that's something I can't say for a lot of them. Uh, it was really, it was a moment of, of envy, moment of anger, uh, a moment of kind of just riding what I was, where my feet were, you know, uh, that's a, that's a strange part of grief when you're, when you're observing the relationships of other people, uh, in a way that you hadn't before, you know, and it, it's shocking when you, when you see how many people, you know, you see a family sitting together, together at a restaurant and, and there's four different people on four different phones and none of them are engaging with one another. Mm. And, uh, you know, I don't have any real big point to make about that. Uh, people are going to do what they want to do and absolutely they should. Uh, but I just remember in that moment, I was just kind of waiting for this kid to pick up his phone. I was just kind of waiting to be angry with him. And I think that it was, wow. that was just a, a, me not knowing where else to, to turn with that feeling, you know, it, uh, I wanted something else to blame. I wanted to externalize my blame in that moment. And wow. And yeah because I was, I was tired of blaming myself for so much, but yeah. Wow. That, that's the best I can do for you on that one. No, I get you. Uh, she says grief shocks you into realizing what you had. Yeah. yeah I definitely agree with that yeah. because, um, I do have moments too. Like if I'm in a, let's say I'm walking around and I see a father and a child together and they're having fun in the park or whatever. Cause you know, my relationship with my dad was not that great until maybe like the last five years of his life. Mm. And it's, you know, you, you really struck a nerve for me only because I do get envy sometimes because it's like, damn, I'm never going to say happy Father's Day to him anymore. I'm never going to, you know, and I had this whole plan. Okay, I'm going to get married. We're going to start visiting. I'm going to have this child and all this other stuff. And it's like, that didn't happen. It's like, and I felt like I blamed myself for a lot too because even though now I got closure when I went to go mm -hmm. visit his tomb after literally four years I finally visited his tomb and I got closure but in that closure you know there's still parts of that still gonna hurt because this um actually his anniversary just passed this month and um mm -hmm. you know I was I had an off day if that makes sense my day was off but even with that I would see parents like let's say I'm walking around and I see like people in the park and stuff like that I'm just like you know what I would give to want that again you know knowing what i know now like if i knew then what i understood now then maybe i could have did things differently like i get into that kind of circle and i have to remind myself well okay it is what it is you can't change the past but you can change how you go about your present because if i stay there for too long then what's going to happen is you're not going to be able to experience what else is out there like yeah. that's what i say that that's how that both to me well you you are you're hitting the nail on the head i mean it, it's really we we spend it's a strange game we play where we want to look back so much and we want to regret regrets a really weird thing because it serves us in no way at all it does nothing for us right uh, uh and i think if we would if we would stop viewing things through, through the lens of regret and instead try to view it from the lens of hey i did learn the lesson because i'm sitting here recognizing that in this moment, I've learned the lesson. So I can look back, back to that time where I didn't know what I was doing and I didn't know better, or I can celebrate that right now, here where I'm at, I get it now. And that's, yeah. that's you ascending, that's you going forward and up, right? So I maybe try to see it 
from that rather than looking back and inviting that suffering. You know what I mean? Because you, you did yeah. nothing wrong. You were, that's where you were at the time. And now you're here. Yeah. Amen. Um, it, it reminds me of an expression, uh, a quote that said, you know, life could be understood backwards, but we could only live it forward. Make sense? Mm -hmm. And it's like, that's exactly what that reminds me of. And it's just like, it's true. It's true. You know, it is, um, I feel like when we look back at life, it should help us to appreciate what we have in the now. I mean, it, it, you know, because just because something's hurt you then, and maybe it might hurt you now, but it, it's like a scar. So even though the scar is there, but it's not scabby anymore because over time that thing healed. But it's a reminder that, you know what, even though it hurt at that time, I didn't stay hurt. And I didn't stay hurt because I was able to get through that season in my life. And now I could appreciate the fact that, you know, this is what I went through and it got me to where I'm at today. But this was the lesson that it taught me. Because I feel like if you go through stuff and you don't learn the lesson, then that means you really didn't learn. You're not really growing. Well, you'll, you'll be forced to learn it again. Yeah, that's true. Life, life teaches us. I will say that life will teach you, man. And I've, I've learned this the hard way myself. I have had times where God had to shake me and put me in my place. And then I'm just like, okay, all right, let me stop. You know, but definitely, um, I understand, but difficulty, difficult to digest here with regret. Yes, it is. It's very difficult. That's to what, all right. All right, so come on, man. Read another piece from your new book, man. Let's, get, let's keep giving these previews in. <laughs> okay. Okay, I'll give you one called Chain Breaker. I hydroplane every few feet, and there's no sign of the rain letting up anytime soon. I wipe joy from my eyes, feeling sun dry on my cheeks. It lingers like the feeling of victory, not long at all. I believe the possibility of deliverance exists on every gust of wind, so don't look to me for logic. When's the last time you could breathe easily? Was it before knowing that every moment comes with the possibility of world-shattering finality? Tell me, what is it you wanted after all this time, if not the freedom to surrender to all of life's possibilities? Wow, you got so, so. Talk to me about this piece, man. That wow. I think you know when you're trying to get yourself straightened out. I think you you are kind of confronted with the fact, uh, and this is something you and I kind of spoke about earlier. You're confronted with the fact uh, that that control is an illusion, and how much much time we spend uh, bringing suffering towards us by kind of kneeling at the altar of this false idea that we have control, right? Uh, people have panic attacks and they, and they absolutely freak out because they cannot handle what's happening around them for, for a number of reasons, right? And I think that when you're getting sober, you have to really surrender yourself and just lay yourself there and say, I'm letting go. I'm done. Like I'm, I'm through fighting it, you know, and not in the sense that I'm going to blow up uh, to so many other 
things and so many other discoveries and you're able to go deeper within yourself and and learn things about yourself that you really did not know prior yeah yeah that the reality can be harsh yeah. i will say um that reality I, I i will say this when my son was born and as he was growing up and he's four now and i feel like during this journey of fatherhood i've learned more about myself through my son and through my marriage than I ever learned in my entire life. Amen. Everything I thought I understood about myself was not even the case compared to what I've learned in this journey with um, just having a child. And, you know, uh, you know, me and my wife talk about this all the time. Like, people mm -hmm. think that, you know, just because you have a child, because, you know, all this other stuff, oh, it's all, all nice and candy and, and flowers and all that, or it's the baby in the Pampers box. But, you know, I don't know who to blame for this. I don't know if I blame Kim Kardashian for this or I just blame society for this. But there's this idea that, you know, the woman looks all dolled up. They got a child. Yeah, look at me. But I'm like, okay, but what about, like, what's, what's behind the makeup? What's behind all that? What about the stress, the postpartum that women have to go through, that guys could go through as well? What about the, the, the sleepless nights of the fact that, Hey, this this struggle to try to understand, especially if it's your first child, the, that struggle is so real, right? And I find it interesting that these are things that no one talks about, no one acknowledges these things, and it's just the burden of trying to live up to something that's not really there. And it's I mean, to to me, it's like I, I guess I just don't get it, you know. Um, and you, you, you're, you, you, oh man, I can't even talk. I'm so sorry. Good you there. be, yeah, but you, you being a father, um, and you know, and you being married, how has your marriage taught you in, in, in about yourself that you've learned, let's say before your marriage? Oh my God. Uh, what has marriage taught me about myself? Um, Marriage has shaped me completely. I, I don't have any idea who or where I would have ended up without Kinsey. Uh, right. There's no possible way, uh, no possible way that I would have ended up as completely overwhelmed with love as you know, as I am right now, uh, without her, and I, they're just I cannot imagine a scenario where I didn't end up with her. You know, I'm I'm not convinced that we haven't done this before, that we won't do it again. Uh, right. I'm just I'm that's where I'm supposed to be. She's home where she is. Home is you know where those babies wow. are. Home is so. Um, she says, I have to answer your question on that, but anyway, no, 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 that, no, no, there's no wrong or right answer, yeah, bro. Yeah. You know, at the end of the day, man, it's just we're just breaking bread together, if that makes sense. Uh, and just says, I have to, your insight comes out, and you have to function as normal human being right away. That's what she says. Mm -hmm. Um, you care to elaborate that a little bit more, Angela, because I'm trying to. Is this, was it because of something I said earlier? Um, these were my, uh, wait, wait. supportive partnership. Uh, okay, uh, supportive partnerships. 
Um, that's what makes a difference when it comes to the artistry. Oh, okay. Absolutely. That's pretty good with that. All right. Um, yeah, so uh, if you want to give us another um, another piece from your new book. I mean, we're not going to give too much, guys, but, you know, just give us a little preview so that way, okay, yes, I got to get this. I got to get this. Got to get this book. Actually, you mind showing the book? Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's a boat for the sinking. Uh, it's my third collection it's the first being the year that stole or the year that stole the light away excuse me and the second being real big americans in and, and we'll talk more about real big americans in here in a second too because that's one that uh I, I didn't talk about that one enough and there were reasons for that but anyway okay uh, i got one for you so another one from the new book uh this is called dare i miss cigarettes I'm not crazy about the idea of something killing me. So I grind down my days while the TV screams about con men, conspiracy, coronavirus, cock pills. Oral gray, I'm stacking sober days. COVID death toll hits half a billion. I close my eyes and dream I'm standing before a grove of trees where something waits for me. Where something waits for me to take one more step. Wow. And I, damn, I really feel like that describes exactly what 2020 was like, because I feel like to me, when 2020 took place, I had a moment where I said, I can't be in this house for a long time. Like I was afraid to go outside, you know, and my son was just turning one. I'm like, he was just learning how to walk, you know, and I feel like COVID, um, especially for kids, it really caused a lot of speech delay because there was no interactions because everybody had to be locked on everybody and it was I, I felt like your piece just now described that whole okay let me close my eyes for a second because there's too much chaos going on and how do i okay how do i take a breath of air so then that way i can just okay let's see what's right here how do i kick my cards and how do i gather the cards on the table and um angela says can we speak on the cover art inspiration and construction um, oh, yeah, yeah actually that's a great question actually honestly this and how this turned out that's all tara that's all tara uh, she is so talented at, at putting these together and and helping me kind of bring these to you know, the, the final product that they end up being. I, I got this one. Uh, when I got this one in the mail, it just knocked the breath out of me. I was so pleased. Wow. With that. That's awesome. And, well, and it's, and it's got nothing to do with me. I mean, I'm, I'm the stuff on the inside, but the way that this is dressed up, that's all her. Wow. That's awesome, Tara. Yeah, I, I, I've, I've checked out her websites, and I've seen the books that she has published for other people, too. And it's like, wow, like, that that the the the, the theme the, the graphic design is so awesome so immaculate I have to say yeah uh, yeah and she's so, she's such a joy to work with you know if, if anybody else here I know there's other writers here if if you ever get a chance to to work with her uh, I would say jump at it she it's very much about how you see things and and what the artist wants to wants to see done and she's very respectful about the whole thing but she's also very professional so i would awesome. absolutely awesome. encourage you to seek that out awesome maybe one day i'll have a book you know it's funny too because like um i was talking to lois a couple days ago 
and she was talking about how the the process of having a manuscript itself for a book is so you know you have to really take your time and really see okay what theme is going to work for this particular thing or what piece is going to go together and even when i did a pre-recorded episode with stephanie lampoji she she even touched on that whole um just just trying to lay the foundation of okay what is this theme going to be about what is all this other stuff going to look like kind of thing and it's very interesting you know because i have so many papers and i'm like maybe one day i'll write a book maybe one day i could finally have something together but yeah um tara just so you know you i still i'm still waiting on the audio somehow some way so i could promote the book yeah if anyone knows people who have like book publishing companies yes send them my way so i could do a uh like on the episode i could put it on the podcast and people would hear it and stuff like that um uh so yeah um she says can we speak on the publication partnership you reached out to her she's there that's the question that angela has if I remember correctly, Tara reached out to me uh, after I had kind of put put it out there that I was looking to to put a book out uh, before the year that Stole the Light Away came out. And uh, if I'm misremembering that, she can she can correct me. But uh, that kind of just set it off, and then it just turned into one book became three, and and who knows what else will will happen after Word. that. Uh, but I've I've enjoyed working with her a great deal, and. If, if that can continue, I'd be very happy. Awesome. And um, j for those who don't know, I, I, if, I, if memory serves me correctly, because I have the book too, uh, The Poet's Symphony, I know you have put a piece there and um, Leon has put a piece there as well. Um, talk to me about The Poet's Symphony, at least from your eyes, from your perspective and, and the process of, okay, hey, I'm going to put this piece here. Like, talk to me about that. Well, that, I mean, that was just seeing an opportunity. She was she was writing about, or she was putting together an anthology of of of, of subject that I adore, which is music. You know, uh, an opportunity to kind of go back to the songs a little bit and and think about poetry in relation to how I love music and all that. It it was just it was a neat challenge. I, I really wanted an opportunity to try to to write about the other passion without it being a song, and it uh, I thought it turned out well. And I, I think the book she put together is uh, beautiful, just like so many of the other ones that I've seen from her. Yeah, actually, I have the ebook as well of the Poet Symphony. So yeah, it's, it's such a great book for sure. Uh, she says, "I think I asked if I can help out in any way at all. I just wanted That's to help right. you, just help you." That's what she said. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Um. So you've sure. also you've also had other publications in other places too, right? If I'm not mistaken. Uh, I, yeah, I've had uh, pieces in other other anthologies. There's there's been several. I would have to go grab them probably to list them off. There's right. Been Trained River and a couple of others, uh, but those are also those are also great. So I have two questions, but the first question I wanted to ask, um, uh, crap, I. I hate when I forget. Um, okay, you know what? I'll get back to that. I'll just, okay. So the first question, I, wow, I actually had a brain fart. I am so sorry about You're that, good, man. man. Uh, it, good. No worries. It was, oh, man, it was so related to what you said, too. Uh, oh, Eric, here's my question. Because I know you also do music or you used to do music. 
is there a difference in the writing process in opposed to a piece like like in a poem in opposed to a piece in an actual song yes no if so what are the differences or if there is any um, that's a really interesting question now because i'm just now starting to to come back to music more you know um, i would say poetry really offered me a break from rules where that that would be the biggest difference for me in terms of composing a song versus uh, putting a, a poem together. It's with with the song I have, I have to consider syllables. I have to consider uh, is this word would people consider this a musical word? If that makes sense. Uh, I, I heard a story once where uh, Paul Westerberg of the Replacements had pitched a song that may have been to Glen Campbell or something like that. And the word fridge was in the song. And that's why Glen Campbell wouldn't sing it. And that was the only oh, wow. reason. Uh, because he didn't really not, he that word did not click for him. He he heard that and it ruined the rest of it for him. And I've had experiences like that with songs. So songs are a much different uh much different thing in that sense. But poetry you can really I mean when it was just now I've just got this blank page. And it's whatever I want to do with it. And I don't have to think, right. like, okay, is, that, is, that, is this line too much? Is it too wordy? No, it's just going to be what it's going to be. And that's... So it seems like... That, right? Right. So I was going to say, so it's like... Which is not musical. I'm a dig in the fridge. No, I don't Yeah, actually, I can't see anything. Yeah, wow, I really can't. Now that I think about it, yeah, I don't know how. Um... Oh, crap, I got distracted with the fridge. <laughs> uh, damn it. Um, so you can say, so I guess we could agree that writing a piece, like in a poem, you got, you have a more, you have more leeway, you have more freedom, is what you're trying to tell Absolutely. us. Absolutely. It's it's just blank canvas at that point. And, and you know, maybe maybe a more talented musician could, could tell you that a song could be that too. Uh, right. That's, that's due to my own limitations. And, and the truth is, when it came to songwriting and it came to music, it was always the words that mattered the most to me anyway. That's always what I was drawn to. Uh, right. When I got into songwriting, Springsteen kind of pulled me forward. And then I got into Dylan and I got into everybody else from there. And I spent so much time pouring over the words and very little time actually working at guitar playing. And so I'm, I'm a okay guitar player you know i can i can hold my own uh but i feel like i can really write you know I, that's right. what I, like I was i was supposed to be so it's all worth no, it in, right no that's awesome uh hold on how's this great the partnership has oh oh i didn't realize she said okay upon mentioning the book to write she rushed up to you oh incredible love how smooth and great the partnership has brought these into fruitation is what um angela said yeah no i mean it's I've, i haven't had anything about working with with uh tara that i would change not one thing that's and awesome so that's, yeah i mean it, it's been it's been incredible so like i said hopefully that will continue so you said earlier that you're just now starting to get back into music. Mm. Um, I guess my question is, what what was it about music that, was it something that about music that turned you off, that made you kind of decide, you know, maybe I don't want to do this anymore for a little bit? Like, There were, there were a few things. Um, 
I'll say one, uh, losing dad made playing music incredibly hard because dad, Ooh, okay. uh, dad was a big supporter and dad was a, you know, he encouraged me in a lot of ways and to play certain songs and all that. He, he introduced me to these artists that I loved that, that got me playing and got me Ooh. writing. So okay, it was all related to him. And, uh, the other piece of it was just the grind, you know, uh, when you're trying to make music work uh, at the time, I was trying to be something other than a musician. I was trying to get notoriety. And at 36, I can look back at that and say, that's exactly what you were doing. And that is mm. very likely why you never went further than what you did. And Wow. I don't look at it. I don't look at it again as failure. I look at it as lesson, you know? And, mm, uh, okay. Yeah. Anyway. No, no, that was good. Wow. I never even looked at it like that. So as far as the variety thing, um, I think that's a lot, a lot of what we see on all of these apps. You know, you, you were talking about it earlier, the, the, the Kim Kardashian thing, this, this idea of, perfection this this the illusion of perfection that we like to perpetuate so that people will follow us and click the like button and share button and all that so that they'll think we are important and have something to say i think it's more important that you know that you're important and have something to say you know what i mean Amen. not so much i don't think you need to be waiting for them to provide that meaning for you and provide that uh, reassurance that validation i think that when you can bring that out from the middle of you uh I think you'll attract more of what you're looking for. And I think that- I definitely agree. Yeah. I definitely agree with that. And then Angela says, that has been a common theme, how our parents' musical tastes connect to us and influence us emotionally and artistically. It's interesting too, because you know what's funny? I had a period that I stopped writing after a while. Mm -hmm. and, and then it's interesting how once my father passed away, I feel like I inherited that part of him, that that, part of his spirit just went on to me like that. And then all of a sudden I'm just writing stuff in ways that I never even imagined. And I was doing an interview with Robert Charbonneau a while back. And he says, it feels like it's from outside, even though it's not from outside, it's, it's us, but it feels like it's from outside. And you're like, okay, where did this come from? Where did these words in my head, where do they come from that I'll be able to write these things? You know what I'm saying? And it's interesting because music, was a definitely big part of my childhood. Um, I think, I, I believe I've said this in multiple times in the past. Um, you know, my childhood was not that great. And, um, but it was a few, there was two things that got me through my childhood, music and wrestling. But somehow music always tend to be yeah. the main thing because in wrestling, there was also music. So it was actually wrestling yeah. that introduced me to System of a Down and, and Puddle of Mud, Drowning Pool. It introduced me to that. And then, when I would put on radio, uh, 92.3 K-Rock and Q104, that's what I got introduced to the Beatles. And then I had teachers that introduced me to Led Zeppelin and all these other bands. And this is different from what I was used to hearing at my house because I come from a Hispanic household. So everything was bolero, mariachi, Ricky Martin. My, my brother used to listen to hip-hop, R&B. My sister was into her, like, pop music, New Kids on the Block. And I'm like, okay, but I'm listening to Third Eye Blind. And... These, you know, one hit people, Eagle Like Cherry, but yeah, yeah. I, I could go. 90s gold, man. Yeah, that, and then um, I didn't get 
introduced to Foo Fighters until like 2000. I went to the library. I've heard of the band, but I never heard the music until the uh, 2000 because in the library, they started bringing in like, you know, you could borrow books, now you could borrow CDs. Yeah. And I happened to see I their really third album. Their third album <laughs> was like, I'm like, oh, okay. Uh, and I was like, oh, cool. And then I was like, let me listen to this. It was the one that had um, Stack Gathers. And it is now the color and the shape is their second album. Their third album. Oh, what is the name of that album? It's the one that has the back of his head. Oh, and it has the Full Fighter logo on the back. Ah, uh, there's nothing left to lose. I think is the name of the album. I forget now. And this one had Learn to Fly on it. Yeah, I, I hold on one sec. I can find it for you. Oh my God, that's like my, that's what I first heard of them. I've heard of the band, but I actually never heard their music until I had access to a CD. I had a library yeah. card, I had access to a computer. To yeah, that's actually one of my favorite albums. That and Wasting Light, I think was my actual, like two favorite albums of all time. Even cool. though In Your Honor was actually not bad because this was one of the first times they, he, they introduced two elements of music because one yeah. CD was straight up rock and the other one was straight up acoustic. Oh, yeah. And I was like, oh, we see a different side because I've always known Dave Brown to play guitar mm -hmm. and playing, um, you know, drums from Nirvana. And then to think, wait, he, he's playing a piano? Wait, what? Like, I know he, he played multiple instruments, but I'm like, this guy's playing a piano. What? Um, and it was on, oh, I'm trying to think what album is that? Um, oh, the one that has the tender on it um the last track is called home and he's playing the piano on that one mm -hmm. and it was just it just it's just again music influences the mind in that way like i just get inspired i, I think that's what's awesome absolutely about yeah. that one one of the things that, that really with poet as far as poetry goes and where music became it, it, the meaning changed for me with music as I got further into writing the books and I was listening to a lot more, uh, a lot, lot more just uh, classical or uh, mm. kind of contemporary classical and just okay. piano music. A lot of things that were uh, more meditative. I even got into, uh, I'll have to send you a couple of records that I got into. They were really like almost just kind of droning noise. <laughs> Like, but, but it was just a way that, like, it would, it would, for some reason, you would listen to it long enough, and it would just kind of clear your mind. Yeah. And then things would kind of come easier, you know. And sometimes it's you know what's funny not to have somebody shouting at you the whole time. So. Yeah, that's true. Because you know what's funny? Like, let's say if I wanted to have some kind of sense of peace, right? Like, I used to listen to a lot of worship music, but then I also listen to a lot of rock music. Cool. But I know it's even too lately. I started to come towards more quieter music whether it's an acoustic guitar music or just have because my wife she's very into classical as well she likes on um, beethoven mozart and all those things and um the moonlight sonata seems to um calm the crap out of me and i'm like oh wow like um i have no idea how many movements that song has i think it's like i i, I know i like i know the first movement is slow and then the second movement is fast if that makes sense. But it's <laughs> yeah, interesting that I'm like, wait, but this is like, even though the second one was so intensely fast, but I'm like, but it was so relaxing. I'm like, oh, wait, but I'm, I, I'm actually enjoying this though. Oh, wow, nice. Yeah. But it's I'll interesting, I can say like music. I'll send you some Yeah, oh, please. Uh, um, 
Phil Wesley piano is one of my favorite music to listen to while writing. That's what Tara said. I'll give that a go, Tara, for sure. Play Actually, you want to let me, because I, yes. Yeah, I'm still, I'm, again, I did, I, 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 one thing I love about my music, I love learning more about it. Like this, like, see, I don't even know who Philip Wesley is, but now I'm going to listen to it when I get off here now, because I want to see what it is. You know what's funny? There was some stuff you put, you've actually introduced me to some songs without realizing it. When you used to, they say, hey, thank you for the love or whatever, you will put songs into the post. It's intentional. Uh, there, yeah. songs that are, uh, if you go back and you look at any of the advertising or any of the sharing I did of any of the pieces from any of the prior books, I, I share the music that I was listening to the most while writing the books. And so there's usually like a single song that'll be, uh, for whatever reason, the song I feel captures the entire essence of this book, right? I could probably yeah. make a playlist, to be honest. You know what, I, I think, be a trip. yeah. So, Yo, then, if I could get my yellow duck to work, I should do like a playlist streaming yeah. day or something, which is putting on playlists. But my yellow duck's acting up right now, so I can't well, even do anything right now. The year that sold a lot of way, the, the song was uh, Flight from the City. Okay. And that was okay. by, let me get his name. I'm, uh, Johan Johansson, I believe is his name. I'm going to double check okay. that. Uh, yes, he was an Icelandic composer. He actually passed away pretty young. Um, and that piece of music is one of the most beautiful pieces of music I've ever heard. I, it's hard for me to listen to that uh, at all. And, and the music video makes it a hundred times worse because it is a it is a depiction of a mother and her child, and they're ah. doing this a, a swim routine in what appears to be a lake while that song plays over it, and it will just absolutely rip your heart out of your chest. Uh, but so, "Flight from the City" is for the year that stole the light away. A real big American wow. fan. It was "Fever Dream" by Iron and Wine. Because that's I know I I know Iron and Wine. I love oh my god. So that that, um, that song felt like it really captured what what going through lockdown was like for me. And yeah, it was just probably really what it was like for all of us, man. It was just a surreal experience. And and Real Big American Zim was a lot about that. It was me and the being in the depths of addiction while also trying to live through this profound experience where all nearly all the information you're getting is wrong you end up finding out in the end uh just constant fear constant crisis people dying you're watching you're watching the death toll rise on the screen as if it's a yeah fucking football score <laughs> you know what i mean you, you know what's like, crazy my yeah i was gonna say because my wife had a few friends that passed away from covid and um these are friends that like childhood friends that she hadn't talked to in a while and all of a sudden she finds out oh how's he doing oh wait he got covid that sucks and so, it's like it, it, yeah no no go, go ahead well no 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 you please finish your point please no, no, I, I think that was pretty much it. That, you know, it's just, again, like, it really taught us a lot. And um, Jacob Kotzner says, White, no, Brandon White is a true genius. Jacob is a dear friend and an extremely talented individual. He, uh, he has a kind of a band. It's, it's a project called Anything or Everything. And he's put out a few records. Uh, really, if you like, if you like the pumpkins, if you like helmet, if you like silver chair, if you like things like that, if you like rock, I love silver chair. Rock, you go seek him out. And we are actually working on a record 
for him right now. Uh, I'm helping to mix and just kind of offer myself up in any way I can to help him finish it. And we're, we're kind of working through that. And it's a, it's an amazing record that is very much in line with what we, we've been talking uh, about, about the journey of grief. So when that gets finished, I'll be promoting that as well or helping him promote that because that's more people need to hear that. Absolutely. Amen. And thank, and thank you for saying that my buddy. I love you. That's awesome, man. See, I love that collaboration is such a beautiful thing. Um, I think for me personally, I feel like the more we communicate, the more we, you know, network and the more we, you know, collaborate again, I think I said that word already. It's the more profound it becomes. You know, it's funny too, because even though, um, like, I, I'm like beginner, intermediate level of guitar. I'm not really, I'm not good like you or everybody else, but I, I can play a I'm, basic I'm song. I'm not good like Jacob, so it's all good, man. There's always somebody. That's but I always, but I always wanted to explore that part of, of writing where, like, writing music and, you know, even if I don't sing, but, like, to just write a song for someone here, this is a song you can write. Like, I always wanted to do that, like, a bucket list. So it's pretty cool that, you know, like now I know someone that would show me or teach me or teach anybody that wants yeah. to do that. Just, you know, how does that work? But how does that process work as far as um the recording, the creativeness behind when you write a, like when you create a song, what is the process behind that? Because, it, you know, obviously I know you don't come up with it on the fly, but like what goes through your mind when you're doing that? The exact same thing that goes through yours when a poem comes. And it <laughs> <laughs> and no different. No different. I mean, literally, it's it's nothing more than uh, when it comes to the instrument. And Jacob, I think, would agree with this. When it comes to the instrument, you are learning another language. Essentially, that's all it is. It's language vibration. Right. And once you're tuned into that, you'll start receiving the inspiration for those things. Right. Uh, it, it's I there is no difference for me in the way that I feel when I'm inspired to write a song versus when I'm inspired to write a poem. The only difference is in the execution. And when it comes mm, to the song, okay. it, people will ask you, uh, okay, did you write the music first? Did you write the lyrics first? And it's always different. And it's different for everybody. And there is no one way to do it. And I think people really obsess over how other people do it because they think that's where the magic is. That's where the, the, mm, the, the pixie okay. dust is that gets you going. And uh, wow, it's nothing to do with that. It's nothing. It's interesting to hear how other people go about it. But you were trying to replicate what they do is not going to replicate the result. It's the same idea with you get guitar players that want to buy the most expensive gear they possibly can to sound the best they can. And then nine out of 10 of them, and this is no knock on any guitar player here, because I'm sure you're fantastic. But nine out of 10 of them sound like every other guitar player you've ever heard with the most generic tone. And it may sound great, but it sounds like everyone else. You know what I mean? I'm I never understood that. Think about this. Yeah. Eddie Van Halen built his guitar with 150 bucks and sounded like nobody and changed the whole fucking world. So you can <laughs> buy all the stuff that you want to buy. You can talk all the mess you want to talk. But at the end of the day, it's about the person and it's about intent and it's about yeah. how much time are you putting in. That, in my you know, opinion, it was crazy. You mentioned that I was watching. I forgot the name of this documentary, but it was um, Jack White was in this documentary. And all he took was a string, a can and a stick and just one string. And he was coming up with the craziest riffs. And I'm like, that's crazy. 
Yeah. That's what that yeah. reminded me of when you talk about Van Halen. That's exactly what it took me to Jack White. And Jack White, I think, is a phenomenal player. But, and I, but, I think I, he, I, what a beautiful metaphor for what we're talking about. The ability to, I, it's the It Might Get Loud documentary where he does that. And he, he takes this stick, there's a nail on each end. He, he stands yeah. it up, right? He gets it ready to go. And, and through that, he starts creating music. And you're sitting here thinking, wow, that's so amazing. He's doing something with so little. But, but that limitation leads to innovation, always. You know what I mean? You are yeah. forced to work around your limitations. And that, that's the friction. That's the friction that helps it all happen, that starts the fire. Yeah. You know what I mean? So you got to work with that. No, I definitely agree with you on that. And I was thinking about – because while you're talking – while you're telling all this, I also thought about Jimi Hendrix because he played a right-hand guitar upside down and did his music that way, which I thought was yes. phenomenal. Because I'm like, how do you do this? But it was so – like, but, wow, you know, like, the ones made that do, the, the true ones that do, the ones that are going to go out there and, and really perpetuate change and are really going to upset the established norm with their specific brand of genius, they're going to do it no matter what. It doesn't matter if he was a left-handed guitar player with a right-handed guitar. He's right. going to find a way. He's going to find a way because he has to find a way. And, and we owe that that to every one of them that's come before him like it, it's a lot of ego worship and it's a lot of bullshit in that sense but at the end of the day their bravery is what we're following that's what right. we're trying to that's that's what inspired us to, to be here now and and to put these books together and to have these conversations and to come together in this way is we're trying right. to follow in those footsteps and be that kind of to replicate that kind of bravery yeah and then um, Flo CC Flo says that the magic's in your soul. That's why rhyme schemes are a thing with rap because it's the equation that people use to top the other. And then she was just agreeing with what you just said just now as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's all, man, it, everything. It, it, they've done, the world has done a tremendous job convincing you that everything that you need is outside of you. And so right. You Constantly going outside of you trying to buy whatever it is or go chase whatever it is you think it is that you need, man. Every bit of it is here. Every bit of it's right here. And if you go inside, whatever it is you're looking for is going to come to you. So, all right. All right. Um, hold on. Um, wait. Okay. I think, think Cece, um, I hope you don't mind. I think she wants to pop in and say something if you don't mind, Brandon. Oh, absolutely. Please. Okay, yeah, I don't mind. Yeah, if you have a Q&A and ask questions, that, that's fine. Actually, give me one second. Um, hold on. I just let the music play in my head, and it comes out how it does. That's what she said. Oh, hey, CC, Hello. what's going Hello. on? How are you? I just finished hey, that graphic, by the way. I, like, almost spaced on it. Uh, so sorry. I definitely agree with everything that he was saying. And um, for me, like, my process is, it could be a phrase. Um, I write. I wrote down. Like sometimes I'll think of something or I'll hear something, and then I write it down in my notes, and then kind of go back to it. Um, there's a phrase I'm gonna write next. It's um, the only third party was the pen. So um, it just came into my head like randomly, and so sometimes I'll start off with a line, or sometimes I hear the instrumental and it plays like a movie in my head, and then I just kind of project it that way. Um, I wish that I could write music, like compose music. That would be super cool. And it's definitely on my bucket list. But I know that um, I started recording at Studio West here in San Diego. It's like a $10 million studio. I get free time there every yeah. week. That's and amazing. so 
the guy was like, are you telling me that you don't understand rhyme schemes? I was like, well, I'm a poet. Oh my God, I was just like, <laughs> I don't really, what do you mean? And he's like, it's almost like you're damn near playing darts with blindfold on and you're almost getting it right there on the target. And he's like, do you understand the structure and, and, and the mathematics behind it? He is like, you will be, he'll go, he'll go from great to like a lyrical genius. And he's been working with me since June and boy, do I see them. But sometimes it takes me out of my element when I'm too focused on that structure. Sometimes it does distort what I'm trying to do than if I just write it from the heart. So he's right. Everyone's process is different. It's however your genius works for you, I guess. Cause Absolutely. I can in five minutes, three minutes, 10 minutes. It just really depends, like freestyle. Um, but when I'm really sitting down and trying to like structure a rhyme scheme and I'm looking at Eminem's rap god, I'm like. <laughs> so I have a question for the both of you since we're talking about music. Um, when you write, let's say like an R&B or rap and you're doing rock, is the process slightly different? Does it, like, how does that work in that way? Is that, I, don't know if that if, I don't know if my question made sense. Okay. I, so, oh, I, I, have, like, oh, I, I will defer to you first. Oh. You, you please go first. Okay. Oh, sorry. Um, for me, so my single portal, it, um, when I released it as a single, it came out as an R&B, but when I wrote it originally, I wrote it as a hardcore trap song. <laughs> like, and ah, okay. so sometimes it's a memorization technique for me that I will put it to different genres. Um, I write it in that way so that it's very flexible. Because sometimes if I'm going to sell it as a reference track, I might be selling it to somebody who does death metal. And I listen to death metal, too. So um, I kind of write it in a way that it's very versatile. Mm, okay. Well, what, what about you, Brent? Yeah. I think, I think with, with me, it's uh, a lot of my approach as far as poetry or song. It, it's a lot more stream of consciousness. It's, it's allowing things to occur. And then I will, I will revisit and I will edit to a point. I, I don't, poetry kind of got me away from being overly critical of myself. It allowed me to, to free myself of the idea that I had to pick apart every little bit, that I had to obsess until I hated what I had done. And that is, it was so needed at the time that it found me. Yeah. Have you ever um, restructured, like gone back to something and then you just changed the whole damn thing and you're like, where was I going? Uh, Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Particularly in music, and I'm actually in the process of doing some of that right now. So, yeah, I'm I'm always kind of pulling apart and putting back together when it comes to songs. And poetry allows me to just say, here's the thing, and I'm fucking done with it. Poetry yeah. made me, like, I started as a poet, and I'm all, like, free and just poetry. <laughs> and then it's like, oh, now I have to conform. Yeah. <laughs> so it's a little bit, sometimes I, I, I'll get it. And then at the end, it's like, I go right back into that free flow. But yep. however Absolutely. it's meant to flow, is it's going to flow. Amen. Oh, amen. Amen. Thank you so much, CC. I appreciate it. Right, I got your message. So after the live, I'll um, check out the, the thing that you sent me. Okay. Yeah. I just, I literally just put it together. Awesome. I can't wait. Um, yeah. So on March 31st, I might as well just say it quick. Um, yeah. So March 31st, she will be going live with us on Friday at 9 p.m. We're going to talk about everything she wants to talk about. And um, yeah, guys, check it out. Um, so I'm excited for that. Me and Angela are going to be going live with her. And yeah, 
So we're going to talk about some stuff that she's working on. Um, yeah, she also has different business ventures as well. So she also does graphic designing. She also has a business where she helps other people and collaborates, stuff like that. So definitely check her out and for I that. So AI from all the resumes. So if your resume, if you're not getting phone calls, send them my way and I will strip them for you. <laughs> yeah. No doubt, no doubt. Thank you so much, Cece. I appreciate you. Thank you. All right. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say, yeah, if anyone wants to jump in and has questions or like comments and stuff, you're more than welcome to jump in on the live. That's fine. Um, I, I didn't even think about that from before, but yeah, definitely. Um, actually, let me see if there's any other questions that were here. All right. Um. So so tell me. All right. So tell me more about your second book. I know you said you wanted to talk more about the book because you felt like you didn't talk about it enough. Like, tell me more about your second book. It, you know, writing Real Big American Zone was the second book. And writing it and putting it out when I did, I kind of put it out. We were still, everything, not that everything feels normal now, <laughs> you know, but everything really felt out of whack then. And uh, everything was so volatile. And, and to even, you know, to, to broach the topic of COVID in certain circles, uh, you know, living in Arkansas, it's, it's a very conservative state. Uh, my views on the entire thing don't necessarily align with the left or the right. Um, but unfortunately, if you're going to converse with a lot of people, they're going to assign you somewhere, you know? Uh, and so I really didn't talk a lot about it at the time, but it really, it was just trying to capture what it was to be, a, you know, a young parent and trying to navigate, like, what, what is the world going to look like for my kid? How do I protect my kids from this? You know what I mean? Mm. How, how how do I shield them from this as much as possible? Because it's going to get so big that it's going to be unavoidable. It's going to be, they're going to have to wear a mask to places and they're going to wonder why. And yeah, how do I keep them fully locked into just being little? You know, that was the fear. I remember that being the fear in the very beginning. And we did our best with that. And so that was really a book. It was a book of navigating addiction and pandemic. You know what I mean? This this sort of uh, uh, unbelievably dark time, both personally and then for for my country as a whole. So uh, nah, I get that, yeah. and it's crazy. Yeah, and I was gonna say it's it, it's interesting you said that because that was the same thoughts that were going through my mind when my myself was just one. But you know, there was a lot of things that were happening. I think the the, the biggest thing that. I don't want to say that got me the most angriest, rather it hurt me the most because of what was going on was the Black Lives Matter thing, because it wasn't the fact that, yeah, George um, Floyd was killed by these cops and stuff, but it was more than that. It was, I felt like that's one of the first times in my life that I seen events happen where everything was going out of control. Because there were people who were standing up for what they felt was right for the right reasons. And then there was people who was taking advantage of that as a way to retaliate. And to me personally, I felt like it just hurt me in that way. Like, because I've never experienced anything like that. You know, yeah, you know, growing up, obviously, you live in the block. There was always fights here and there. But, like, to experience that, see that from the outside, you know, looking at it at the news. And, and, I, and I always thought to myself. You know, how do I explain to my son when he's older what this was all about? Because I can tell him what I understood for it in opposed to, okay, what is civilization going to say about it as now time has changed from that time to now? And it's just like, it's a, like you said, it's scary. 
But that itself helped me understand my father more because my father was very, very all protected. Oh, whatever happened outside can't happen to us. Like that's how it was. And it was one of those things in my eyes, I felt like, how do you explain to someone that's young, like this is your own flesh and blood that you have to explain one day, well, this is what we went through when you were born or this is what you went through. You were just one, so you're not gonna remember that. But how do I explain something like that if well, I don't even understand it myself? Right, well, it, yeah, it, it, for me, it did a really good job of, of making my dad more human to me, if that makes sense. So I've, I grew up, uh, I've got two older sisters, and um, but my dad and I's relationship was, you know, it was unbelievably close. And the the one thing I remember really contemplating a lot in 2020 was I always kind of saw him as infallible. I always saw him as, you know, he was the rock. He was this thing that could not be shaken or done away with, right? Here, here was this thing that's like the rain. It's eternal. So, uh, uh, and then go going through the pandemic and, and especially those first, those first few months, it, it was very obvious that like how, how often we have to put on a front to make sure that our babies feel secure. Uh, right. Um, and how much of that's necessary and how much of it is and how much, how important it is to also be vulnerable with them. I don't remember my dad being real vulnerable with me. Does that make sense? Like not, not that he wasn't loving or not, uh, you know, empathetic to anything that I was going through or, or whatever, but it was more of a, um, I remember him telling me things like, you know, I don't get depressed. And right. for somebody that does get depressed, that was a hard thing to hear, you know, because it was like, well, shit, like, so you don't, I do. Where did I take a wrong turn that had me end up here? You know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I also, I also don't recall my, my dad apologizing to me. Um, I'm, Sure, maybe he did want before, but it, that was something that I I really wanted to address with my children was that I'm going to own my mistakes for my children. I'm going to let them yeah. know when I screwed up. I'm going to be honest with them about that because they're going to see me as someone that they can trust to to not judge them so harshly, you know, uh, for for yeah. simply simply being a person and trying to no, I how to navigate. Yeah, no, honestly, me too, because, um, see, I, I'm the youngest of three kids, and unfortunately, I grew up dealing with, like, mental health issues and stuff like that, and I grew up in a, in a surrounding where everything was, like, verbal abuse, especially if you yeah. grew up in a Hispanic household. Unfortunately, there was no explanation about things. There was no, like, like nobody really sat down with us and really talked about us. Like, mental health, depression, like, that wasn't something that was talked about. It was actually forbidden to talk about those things. And I think a lot of that has to do with the silent generation on top of that, mm -hmm. because the silent generation, they were taught to shush, shush, shush. But then there was this other aspect of it that it's just like, okay, like, like, let's talk about it. But then when we did want to talk about it, it was kind of like, like, the way my father looked at stuff too, especially them for that time. It was more like, you should just understand what I'm talking about. If you don't understand, you ask some questions, that means you're not listening type of thing. That's the way everything throughout. And um, I was going to well, say... And, and, you, and you go from this, from, from what you're saying, you're going from this, uh, this extreme of silence. We're not even going to address the issue at all to the flip where it's, you're perpetuating victimhood with people. And you're encouraging right. people to feel victimized. And there are people that are that are victims to things beyond their control. There absolutely are. And then there are people that want to lean in 
to whatever that that persona is that you can own by constantly saying, yeah, the world has my number and is always right. My, life is always happening at me and not for right. me. Right, right. You know what I mean? And it's it's those people that we have to help shift their perspective again, remind people how powerful they are. Stop oh, listening amen. to that. these people want to tell us how how beat down we are, how weak we are. Screw all that. You got to remember how strong you are. You got to remember how powerful you are. Amen. Amen. So uh, for those who don't know, I do have two co-hosts. That one was Angela. The other one is Leon. And Leon's actually going to pop in quick. Um, so hold yeah, on. Let's go. Yeah, it's been a long, long time, Leon. I know, but I'm glad you're here. So guys, for those who don't know, this is my, I have two co-hosts. This is one of them, Leon. And Angela, if you want afterwards, you can pop in as well. But hey. Leon, what's up, brother? Hey. How you feeling? I'm feeling good. I'm feeling like myself again. Um, it's good to be um, back here hosting Good Brewing Alive. Good to see you, Brandon. Um, good to see you too, sir. Yeah, you know, you know um, I mean, I've, I've seen your poetry on and off. You know, I know we've never got to actually get to interact. So this, this, is, this, is, this is cool. Uh, I mean, I've seen you for some, some years now in the poetry game. I just haven't really been um, active lately. Well, I'm, I'm glad that you're here, and I'm, I'm glad to talk to you, man. This is great. And hopefully we'll get to interact more after this. <laughs> Yes, and you guys were in the Poet Symphony together too. You guys yes, were at the same party. Yes, yes, yes. Shout out to Tara Caribou. Shout yes, out to Tara yes. Caribou. Love yes. you, love you, love you, sis. Yes, you so yes, much. yes. We're gonna be me and you are gonna be interviewing her soon. So oh, I'm excited I, for that episode. I am looking so so forward to that interview. I really am. I yeah yeah. It's long time coming, long overdue. Um, but uh. uh I wanted to um, big piggyback off what um, you were talking about about the um, silent generation, and you know, yeah, like I mean, of course, you heard the tropes: real men don't cry, real men don't show emotions, real men don't do this, real men don't do that, and so you know, it's like I like that our generation, I would say, millennials and Gen Z, we're better at like we're learning now especially now and more than this generation to, hey, if you have a problem, seek help, you know, seek yeah. counseling, talk to somebody that you can trust where you can like dish out your emotions and vent um, in a healthy space. And, Absolutely. you know, back in the past with our grandparents and our parents, it wasn't, it would just keep trucking on, keep trucking on, keep trucking on, keep trucking on. And, you know, us is like, no, we don't want to bottle up our emotions. We don't want to keep on living alive. We don't want to keep on living like these secrets and where we like battle and then everybody is like, what happened? Like, no. You know, you yeah, something you said there, Leon, this idea that the real men don't cry. That mm -hmm. that whole that whole thought process is like I yeah. Hey guys, I, I'll be I know, right I, back, all right? Yeah, I'll, I'll be right back. You're good, man. Okay. Uh, I was gonna say I, I know a lot of real men uh, that aren't here anymore because they they didn't feel like real men. You know what I mean? And it's uh, I think it's a, it's high time we we cut ourselves some slack, man. And we we got to get back to supporting one another and being yeah. with one another and listening to it. You know? Absolutely. I um wow that actually just hit me. Um, there's some real men who aren't here anymore because they didn't cry. You know. I literally just had um was talking with another friend, um, and he's like one of my like 
best friends, even though I met, I met him through Instagram. We've known each other for three years, but it's like we've known each other all our lives. And just yesterday, yeah, was it? Yeah, it was yesterday. I was telling him about a close friend I had. Like we we worked together for about a good five or six years, and even after like we started working together, we remained close. And his name was Matt. He was one of those type of dudes where um, he seemed rough on the outside, but really he was like this dude was like a teddy bear and he was the type of dude who he would give you like the shirt off his back and it was hard for him to like really display or express emotion because he had a hard life growing up but around me like he would let it all out he would let all those walls down and unfortunately because he had a hard life he went to drugs and unfortunately yeah it was 2019 yeah 2019 i want to say his drug addiction got the best of him and um, it was all because of that whole thing, like, real men don't cry. Got to be strong. Got to be strong. Got to be strong. And it was like, what, I was one of the very few people who actually saw him in a vulnerable state multiple times. And I had to yeah. tell, let him know, like, you're like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I shouldn't be doing this. And I'm like, no, bro, it's okay. It's okay. Yeah. Like, this, this is part of the healing process. This, yes. is, this is how you heal. And he, ne and he really always thanked me because... He never had anybody really encourage him or let him know, hey, look, it's okay to cry. It's okay to let, like, um, to show that, like, you have emotions. And I always used to say, look, I got two words for you. Jesus wept. That's the shortest verse in the Bible, I believe, but also the most powerful because, like, we always see, you know, God is God, but then, like, he was a man who on multiple occasions cried multiple times, not just for the death of like his friends, but he would cry in, over like happy tears, rejoicing over seeing people happy and stuff, like as you read in the word. So it was just, yeah. So I was trying to go to that when I hear real men don't cry, but Jesus wept, amen. <laughs> this is true. Yeah, when Lazarus passed away and then also when, um... When um oh god when he was in the uh gar oh god Garden, what's that place Garden of Gethsemane yeah he cried but even not then but like I think there's another verse where it says like he saw children coming to him and then like he cried out or something like so there was a couple of things and then he cried out out of anger and frustration too so it's like you know I try to put my man in the, to the base on that model you know but it's really hard to reconcile it's yeah really hard to reconcile what what society wants to tell you yes. versus yes. The, the the great examples we've had throughout this exactly exactly wait, wait guys hold on give me one second i'm gonna try something quick okay let's see okay. if hold on get foreign you can get angela yeah because sometimes it oh. works and wait wow. did it work did, did it, it work? actually work oh, it actually works. worked oh, oh my, my gosh God. It, I okay, wait. Real quick. So okay, real quick. Before, you, before we continue, um, this is the first time us three, because we are pretty much the team of Unrivaled Influence. This is me, my, you know, whatever, the co-hosts, all three of us. This is the first time we're actually live together and we're interviewing Brandon right now. Like, this is amazing. Yeah. Thanks, Brandon. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having us. Oh, my gosh. I can't believe this is happening. I wasn't prepared for this. And Leah, I'm so happy to finally I be know. on the same screen with you. Uh, oh, my God. Oh, my. Wonderful. Let's, 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 
get, uh, let's get into what we were talking about because I don't want to like usurp uh, with some silliness because we were in some real, some real poetic and real human stuff. So let's go back to what we were talking about with um, not just the silent generation, but also talking about like uh, stereotypical uh, oh my testosterone God, yeah. based gender roles and stuff like that. But like, um, continue that conversation and, and let's just see where it goes from there. Because I, uh, Brandon, let's talk about your new book. Uh, as far as like influences are concerned, is any of those themes as far as like masculinity and finding yourself are those think, themes that we'll see yeah. in your book? Uh, I think throughout all three books, you probably get glimpses of my feelings towards masculinity. Uh, mm-hmm. Masculinity and and femininity and those things being in balance, mm-hmm. I believe, in my you know, are so vital in in each of us, right? And, and in all things, those things should be in balance. Absolutely. And, yeah. And I think that uh, there are, are plenty of examples. We've been given, especially in the last three or four years, we've been given plenty of examples of what toxic masculinity, Woo! toxic femininity, what those things look like. Yeah. So we need to call them for what they are. Absolutely. We need to drag them out into the light. We need to let them be seen. And I think this ties in a lot to what kind of similar to things that Andy said earlier. And I think even the things that Leon, you touched on earlier too, as far as, you know, the more we are going through this experience, we're learning more. And just as I, as people have learned from this podcast, uh, I've, I've done some biology, I teach biology. And so even gender, as far as the spectrum of gender versus, you know, what our chromosomes that assigned at birth versus gender as it's expressed now, that's we're seeing that expressed in our artwork and artwork throughout the community. And I think that's a great thing. So let's continue on that topic. Like, what are you guys thoughts on as far as those themes coming out more in writing or is that yeah, yeah. a healing process? Yeah. Oh, yeah, I, 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 like yeah this is actually something I've wanted to write on, but I've had writers block. Um, I, what, what we are definitely mm-hmm. stepping in in this frontier is definitely new ground. I don't think, um, at least in our modern generation, have really experienced this before. I mean, I guess if you look back at like Greco-Rome and stuff, and maybe even before, they've they've gone through this because of like some of their writings and expressions. Mm-hmm. But I think as for modern day, like oh, for sure. modern day twenty first century, this is new ground. This is new ground for us. So I find it very, very intriguing, and I'm I've, I'm a pretty open minded person, and I try to see. Um, from both sides of the coin, I really do. Um, but I gotta say, to be with me personally, there have been there have been some walls and some personal biases I've had that I've had to like, you know, um, just like a little bit simmer down because you know, of course, um, of you know, culture and environment, and you know, the way I was raised and um, you know upbringing and everything, all that coincides with like how my thought patterns process. So, I mean, it's still a very, it's very murky road for me to navigate, but I am, but the thing with me, I am attentive, I am listening, instead of just, you know, being like some echo chamber or just being, you know, being completely ignorant and just saying whatever, just because everybody else has jumped on a bandwagon. Like, no, like everyone has a voice. Go ahead. Because our work is doing more yeah. building the community yeah. from learning from our own process. And it kind of brings us back to this concept. Again, like I live on the, I, I mm. like my word of the year is dichotomy where it's the part and also the whole, where 
we, when we're born, we have unlimited potential. However, we have very limited potential because of who we are, time and space. I mean, I have so much potential because of where I am in this period mm -hmm. of time because I was born in this technology era Thank as God. opposed to being born in the 1800s <laughs> or the yeah. 1600s. You know what I mean? I mean, yes. I need heat. I need heat. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? I, but that's what I'm saying. Like, the part yeah. and the whole, we have all this ability to be whatever we want, but yet we're totally limited. So, like, I know, Brandon, we talked about, I don't want to go to coincidences because I know we could oh, get into, like, a whole time spiral. But what about that concept of, oh, I know, me too. Like, I could go there. I could go there. But so, like, Brandon, what about you? Like, I know that kind of fits into your wheelhouse with the coincidences. And you seem to be very connected by things happen for a reason. Like, Speak on that a little bit more. If you can't, I'll, well, if, I'll if you mean in terms of, because so, uh, again, I don't know if you're asking me in terms of how gender is perpetuating itself in art currently, and the conversation, however you want to take it, whether you want to continue on that conversation or just the fact that we're talking about that whole concept of both, you know, you can take it. Coincidence doesn't necessarily have to relate sure. to the same topic or theme, but if you, if you have a comment and thought and want to continue sure. it, wow. please let's continue that. Let's let that marinate some more yeah, because again, absolutely. it all relates. I, I right, think I that think? with, I, I find the entire place that we find ourselves in, in regards to the conversation around gender, I find it fascinating. Uh, I find it fascinating that we have people that would, would see the idea of gender being abolished. Uh, I think it's fascinating that we have people that would, would see these people working through something incredibly profound mm -hmm. uh, in terms of uh, gender dysmorphia, in terms of all, all of these different things and, mm -hmm. and how quickly we are to, uh, to condemn others and how quickly we are to, to turn on people yeah to discredit and somebody I, from what, what they're saying no you right. can't feel what you're saying to me right now that's so it boggles my I mind think that that you, one, I one thing that you're seeing uh, and i'm not saying this is the only thing that you're saying but i think one of the things that is coming from the current subject around gender is is a corruption occurring and uh yeah where where masculinity has been raised up for so long and femininity has been kept down for so long mm -hmm. that that is not a natural place for us to be. And whether we like it or not, the the natural forces that we are subject to, they will correct themselves. Right. They will see right. to it that, that those things find their way back. Right. And uh, yeah, yeah, we talked about last time with um, different types of a primate species how. Um, access to resources had changed the evolution of their behavioral patterns where bonobos who had access to food and protection, we're seeing there was a uh, more of cooperative female working together there's more uh love expressed between them versus the chimpanzees who did not have mm. access to food so there's more aggression wow uh, there, there, there is a lot of females that are separated. You see that? You see that? Yes. Absolutely. That we got to work together. We got to work together, people. We, and it's, it's okay. We can work together, but it's hard because, again, at the same time, let's flip that coin. We, we want to protect ourselves and we want to protect our family. And if it comes to protecting my family or, or blind trust in some stranger, you're going to go and protect your family. I mean, is that not the case? I think you know, that so it absolutely look is at the, the other case. Side but of the I think what we're, what we're talking about is not just the actions of a few we're, we're talking about the the fear that's mm -hmm. being perpetuated regarding the entire situation 
And that's, we can thank the media for that. We can thank the, uh, whoever it is that's hired into social mm -hmm. media to, to spread this information, to make sure that we're nice and nervous about it all. We mm -hmm. can thank them as well. Um, mm -hmm. I think at the end of the day, one thing that we've come out of all of pandemic and uh, race riots and gender wars and everything else, the one thing that we understand is uh, we can't have any more time to be fighting one another. We, we can't possibly have any more energy to give towards, I, I disagree with you, so I hate you. I'm, I'm much more interested in turning yeah. around and looking at the mm -hmm. people that are telling me I should hate you yes. and, and, and saying, what, what was that reason again? Why mm -hmm. wasn't I was supposed to listen to you? I gotta stay and, yeah. Again, the loudest yeah. person in the room is the right person in the room. That's what we've come to believe. Yes. That. That's why I had such a brilliant voice. You know, that's right. Good night. That's you can hear me. Yeah. Um, and also, it's, it's true because we also have to look in the mirror and check our own self, too, because it's hard to also Absolutely. say, am I doing what I'm saying I'm supposed to be doing? Am I listening? Am I listening? Andy knows. <laughs> Sometimes I'm not listening. Andy reminds me. Andy keeps me in I check. Got, That's why he's doing that. Ooh, can I say this? Can I, say I love it. Yeah, I got to jump in and say this. Um, it's been on my heart, and I don't want to lose it. So, and, and piggybacking off of both you, Angela and Brandon. Yeah, so in the society, what I see is going on is this. And it happens every single time reform happens, transformation happens, a shift of the consciousness happens. There's this cognitive dissonance. Yes. And even if the change is a positive change, but we've been doing this for this many years. We've been doing, we've always been doing, even if it's something that's going to be beneficial for not just like um, them, but for everybody across the board, no. And it's just like, you know, growth happens in discomfort. Growth happens yeah. in discomfort. And when you are in that new space, that new area, that new realm, that new dimension, however you want to word it and phrase it, it will be that that unlocks more understanding. It will be that that unlocks more doors. It will be that that unlocks more, wow, I didn't realize we as a species, we as a collective, had the potential to even do this. But if we stay like, like crabs in a the basket, mm -hmm. there's no growth. There's only stagnant. I mean, you look back on, um, yeah, you like, like and it's so and it's, important. Yes. So important. I, I got to mm -hmm. say, I, I, I don't want to cut you off because I know you still have so much greatness to go here, but I want to say, because again, I always forget that it is painful and that is okay and pain is part of the process. Because again, anybody mm -hmm. who's done a Woo! wall sit, it yes. hurts. But that yeah. is growth yes. and you're building Suffering. a muscle. You're building a muscle. And that's yeah. so important to remind ourselves because again, we know that the shift, Annie's been leading the charge about this shift. That's why we're here. Because Brandon, you're right. The media doesn't showcase what this amazing conversation that we're having right now. Hey, we what are we not talking about? We don't pretty need much. them. Yeah. We just need to come to the table together right now. I mean, we're, we're coming together. We're having that virtual bread breaking conversation mm -hmm. with poets and artists and creators because that's what we need to be doing. So again, I just want to say it was so important because again, Pain is part of the process, and I always I shy from pain. I I'm like I'm like the opposite. It's like a magnet, but I'm I repel from pain. I, I flee from it. So it's important that you mention that. So I want to keep I going. What was your next point? I just I'm saying, uh, suffering is the doorway to the divine.
That, that is always come on, please. That's always the case. Yes. You you we have to, like you have to walk through it, man. You have to walk through the fire every single time, and that's that's how you go up. And that's how you. That's, did you want to say you, something? I don't want to lie, man. No, 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 no. Actually, no. I was just saying. I was just embracing this conversation. Like this is just a, oh my god, amazing. Yes. I'm just I'm just listening. I just love to listen. Again, it's back. It's back to. I think what last couple of episodes I've talked about already, just providing the space for us to have these conversations when it's not had anywhere else. So again, I'm just grateful for the fact that we can do what we're doing right now, and that's all that matters. Yeah, so absolutely. I'm just I'm just enjoying it, honestly. And it's funny because what this this turned out to be better than what I even imagined. So I'm just like, wow. Um, and yes, yeah, definitely a melding of the minds. Um, going back to what I was gonna say before I lost it. Um, so yeah, the cognitive dissonance and stepping into the, these new realms of unlocked potential. Um, think about like right now, it's this war on what is gender, on what is male, what is female, and sexuality and orientation and how does it wasn't that, like that when I was yeah, growing up, yeah. man. And, 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 and you know, us as like you know, most of us are millennials, nineties, eighties, seventies, you know. This this wasn't even talked about. This was more like, shh, you know, thrown under the rug. And before Absolutely. that, and before that, it was like, you know, it was about race. Oh, you know, I mean, it's crazy to think about, but literally just 40 to 45 years ago, the four of us wouldn't even be together. There would have been a racial divide. Yeah. Like, it, it's yeah. crazy to think about that. Absolutely. I have a question for you. There would have been a gender divide and a race. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. There would have been we all kinds have, of we even have to be having this conversation. And, and, and also, to edit, if I, again, I'm an intervention specialist. If anybody you know, oh, oh. disability too, people oh. with those rights, <laughs> you know, much later. I can uh, say, I can say on you know all I mean? of these things, I'm the postage child boy, because one, I'm black. Number two, I have cerebral palsy. I have a disability. Also, um, I have ADHD, mental disability, and then another one, bisexual. So look, I, I'm screwed either way. Like, I, I, like, I, I, like, oh, you sound like, like an all-around. No, guy. you're fucking incredible in every possible. No, no, Leon, you're fucking incredible in every possible way. Because look at you, because we're talking to you right now, really? and you're fucking influencing a lot of people because you have a right frame of reference, and you're showcasing. Yeah. It doesn't matter who the fuck you are. You have a voice, and we're here for you. So. I gotta say, hell yeah! Poster, <laughs> and we'll put you up. We gotta put you up, right? Because yeah. Make <laughs> this right <laughs> here is a poster. I love this. To speak with something that Leon was saying. I mean, there there are people in this world that would have you to believe that you are a speck on a speck on a speck on a speck, mm -hmm. and they want to take really beautiful, profound things, and they 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 want to make them mundane they want mm -hmm. to force that on you and they want to control i mean what you're talking about well we would have been talking about race or now we're going to talk about gender or now we're going to talk about whatever's happening uh between russia yeah. and ukraine whatever, yeah, yeah. whatever the situation may be mm -hmm. what we're really talking about is a war of language come on now and, and we're talking about a, a war of whether or not uh, we're we're going to be allowed information at the pace and desire that we would like yes. versus the pace that those who perpetuate the rest of the bullshit would like us to have. Exactly. You know, mm -hmm.
You only know you what know, you know. They don't you know like knowing what they Absolutely. don't want you Exactly. Know. You know, the, so, yeah. I was going to say the, the craziest thing is, and a lot of people reference this book, and um, but the more I think about it, it's so true. And this dude was definitely ahead of its time. Orwell, 1984. Yeah, 1984. Yeah. That guy literally, like, he was like a prophet of the of the times because that book came out in like 1949, 1950. And literally the things he talked about with the technology, with truth speak and everything else and ministry of truth. And then you literally see that in not just America, but in, you know, overseas and everything. And it's crazy how after the accuracy and you know that book is banned like i was oh, trying yeah. to look for it on amazon i was trying to even download it on like um apple i can't find that book i can't it's very hard to that book i'm pretty sure you can get that if you look hard enough but it's very hard to come by but it could be also that the book's probably out of print because that's what happens sometimes when let's say the publisher doesn't exist anymore they go out of business sometimes the, the, the book come, becomes out of print and now there's just a limited amount. Cause that's well, what happened with this book. Up right now, that 1984 has moved way too many copies to be out of print. Yeah, yeah exactly. Somebody's got the yeah, right. That's what I'm uh, okay. Somebody's that's what I'm saying. Right. What, what, one thing I'll like say. One of those, like 1984 is one of those books. Like it's like one of those must-have books. Yeah. But like even in schools, really? like even in a lot of schools, they will not let you read that book. There are a lot of schools that will not let you read that book. And I think there's even like some. Um, you know, just how they did during the time of like COVID, they would have like disclaimer and everything. They, I think they have they have that when that book is talked about, because there's so much like truth in it. There's so much truth in it. But yeah, it goes back to like who controls the speech, who controls the language, and language is universal. Language like I, it's always like these couple of people's like you must control the narrative, and you know really can't compress what is meant to be free you know and i'm gonna say that again you cannot suppress or cage what is meant to be free and um there's so many people they want to see a collective of people a lot of different people who don't talk like them who don't sound like them who don't express like them they want to see them as caged birds but birds are meant to fly and so that's how language is. That's how thoughts are. Uh, I mean, the, the the brain, the brain, and you, Angela. I know you know this. The brain is actually the most powerful computer in the universe. And we're there's still things in the brain that we can't even access yet. That was you know what's know. crazy. Uh -huh, go ahead. Uh, yeah, me too. I love studying it. Yeah. Yes. No, no, I was going to just say, because um, when you talk about the brain just now, I was thinking about that movie with uh, Bradley Cooper, Limitless. It's like, Limitless, there's yes. still things. Yes, yes. And it's just crazy to me because it's like, this stuff we can't access. And even though it was just a movie, but it makes me wonder, okay, is there really such a thing that oh, can I, help I, you I, access I, that? I that is insane. I've never did Adderall, nothing like that, but my brother-in-law has done it, and he tells me, like the wildest stories with i'm just yeah, like oh my i'm scared I, I, to I, try I, that but i heard it. i don't I, I, 
But that's what no, but that's what he's saying. Yeah, because he studies a lot. So because he he works at a bank, so every so often he has to do like certifications, like to renew them. So it's hard for him to to focus. So he tell me, but he he'll say that oh, like when he takes it, it's like the way the mind accesses whatever to in order for you to focus in some. Insane. Now, Insane. I can tell you this because I was very anti-medicine. Oh my god, I was a, I was a menace in high school. I'm nurse. very anti-medicine because when it comes to, especially when it comes to mental I, health. I was that person. Put this um pill in, okay? Oh, um, I just need to go get some water. I'll be right back. Leon is a teacher. Oh my gosh, come on. I, I have kid listen, every kid is different. Every situation is different, but there's definitely some kiddos where you know, oh, you know they didn't take Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. It, so. But and, and it was got so oh, good. Yeah. Open your mouth. Yeah, I would be I would get so skilled. Somehow I would be able to like make my tongue put it on, on a bit. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. There is a brilliance, you guys, I, I, you guys understand this, but with differences and disabilities, there is a brilliance is just not in the scope and set way that yes. we have framed it with now. our yeah, industrial host. host I got to say this, this Listen, is a quote, quote I made years ago. Um, so if anyone hears this quote, you heard it from me first. So if I hear this quote anywhere, it came from Leon Jones, and I made this quote years ago, 2023. Got it. I said this, um, in cases where logic may be slowed, creativity shows the paradox. I'm going to say that again. In cases Ooh, where that's logic it. That's going to be a sure, be slowed, Angela. Creativity may show the paradox and this is coming from somebody where like i said i have adhd um and i have cerebral palsy both of them affect my neurological output now math my arsenic me and math don't get along my dad he's a math teacher he worked for Rutgers university like pretty much all his life my mom she did accounting um until she pretty much retired <laughs> I should have been a mathematical genius. I should have been a mathematical Einstein. Me, not so good. But where I suck at that, or I'm not too well at that, I shouldn't say suck. Let me change the language up. Or I'm not too skilled at that, writing. Even though when I do English, I would do on-running sentences and my punctuations weren't too good. When it came to creative writing, whether it's poetry, whether it's writing songs, whether it was rapping, like I could freestyle. I used to do freestyle battles or just freestyle just because I was bored. It would just naturally come to me. And people are like, how are you so like good at doing this, but you can't do this? But, but that's where it goes where like, because people would say, man, I wish I could do that. That's so awesome. That man, you're so brilliant. You're so brilliant. Like you think I'm brilliant? Have you seen my writing? I write like chicken scratch. Have you seen like I can barely? I barely made it through math. I barely made it through high school because of some of my grades. But some of it was laziness and procrastination. But I said all of that to say, yeah, um, you test me on different skill levels, even when it comes to like, um, um, like oh, I forgot what the name of the test is. Like, it'll go from borderline, um, you know, mentally challenged to above average on, but all depends on, like, 
what type of skills my mind is tested on. Yeah. So uh, that actually makes me want to ask Brandon because mm -hmm. you're a music mm -hmm. uh, aficionado. I, so I'm going to say that. I know you're going to laugh that off, but we're going to say it because I, I know I wish I could write music and, and be in that kind of realm. Yeah. Like that's also a type of intelligence. Now, music also mm -hmm. relates to math. I think it's very much like connected because of the, uh, the beats, the patterns and all that. So wh what are your thoughts on music and that type of intelligence and then also on that creative? I think that it's... What are your thoughts uh, on that? so far beyond the accepted norm kind of, kind of what you touched on earlier when you were talking about uh the, the sort of the types of intelligence that's celebrated uh in our country in particular um mm -hmm. you know I've, I've seen children with uh with autism that that could almost not communicate in any other way sit down at a piano and you would assume mm -hmm. that some sort of Unbelievable. I mean, it, because it, it's happening. A, a product of that. <laughs> I believe the person and, who, yeah, Brandon, I believe the person who developed the subway system mm -hmm. for the New York City subway um, was a person who had, um, uh, was identified with autism. Because again, there is a level of brilliance. So there is a hyper level. Well, it's just finding and, out and what that how, is. how how we're just now getting know, to a point it depends. where there we're a range. celebrating those people. Mm -hmm. We're just now really getting to a point where we're, yeah. we're pushing them to the Absolutely. forefront saying, no, they, there's yeah. plenty to offer here. Yes. It goes back to the same conversation we were having before. There was a time where the people that were in control mm -hmm. told you that, no, they don't. No, they don't. Mm -hmm. give, them, mm -hmm. give them this medicine or give them whatever, yeah. but they're gonna, this is all they're going to be able to mm -hmm. do for a living whatever and then they changed over time as right. you changed yeah. and you decided that you wanted to see something different because you believed it in your heart suddenly they're saying that now you know and just like you know and on it goes that hits home for me personally because um one i'm a disability rights advocate i was kind of i was really thrust into it back in like 2009 mm -hmm. and like i mean i did like protests I've, I've spoken with like politicians um <sighs> but yeah like it's the climate of it opening up for like both disability and mental illness like the topics we can talk about now the things that i can express or other people can express yeah just like even 15 years ago you weren't able to express them now and and now you can and i'm that i'm so glad i'm so glad that god blessed me with the ability to have a voice um, for the voiceless with the ability to be able to, um, you know, be able to speak up for those who, who, who can and who wish they could. And so, yeah, yeah, go, it's, it's, it's an amazing thing. And it's why it's so important that, like, everybody deserves a voice. Everybody, Absolutely. everybody, regardless of what your feelings are about it. And, Brandon, I was going to say, um, for you personally, um, like, music, when it comes to, like, you and music, how do you feel for like playing music versus when you're writing a poem? Um, you know, I, I was telling Andy earlier, it, it's really from, in my experience anyway, it's no different in, in terms of what I feel, in terms of that, that, that <laughs> jolt that seems to come mm -hmm. in that moment where, where everything lines up for you, you know? Yeah. And uh, uh, the only difference is, is I understand the language of an instrument and so I believe that that gets communicated too. That comes as well, right? And I think the more you open yourself up to these different things that are around you, 
and you expose yourself to them, uh, the more that you will be, be you know, you're going to knock and the door's going to be answered. You know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, the reason I'm giggling up here is because uh, it's it's that we have, we have to write a song and have the word fridge in it because fridge oh, is the difference. It's the type of word. The, the words itself. And apparently, fridge is According not to song. So we, fridge? I have a song with Somebody, fridge in it. Give, give me a minute. I will have a song about fridge. <laughs> okay, no. So how how do you feel about fridge? Fridge Are you asking me? Fridge Yeah. Oh man, how do I, how do I feel about fridge? Um, Other than it's, are, it's a place to you know store your like, food, but yeah. Yeah, but would I put it in a song? Is that what you're asking me? Just in general, how do you feel about it? As far as <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to do it. Leah's going to do it. You know what? Brandon do it. Screw it. it. I, I could do that. I, I, I could write you a song. I, I could put it. that song oh! in Get me um, Yeah, absolutely. I can do collaborate. I All can right. do that. Everybody, cameras off. All right. We got to do a forward collaboration for sure, <laughs> man. It's about time. Fridges the fridge is it, yeah. yeah. I've already got what ideas. Do you... So, got ideas. wait, so kicking. so the analogy yeah. is what do you put in the fridge and is it important? Okay, okay. So oh, now that's, we got that, that's that's I thought we just put in the fridge in. Right, so... Because if, if I can't, <laughs> I can't just run. Okay, it, like, then... yeah. So, like, I mean, I would say <laughs> the fridge, I probably would go on a symbolic right, like symbolic route on what fridge would mean to me. Like um, how a fridge basically keeps everything like fresh and refreshed. And you know, uh, on, on that route. I mean, well, well, to a point so because see. sometimes if you leave something fresh for too long, it gets spoiled. This, this is one way you can go about it. The other way you can go about it. Bad I was just going to add the word fridge in it. Shape. I didn't even know that we were going to go, that yeah. the subject was fridge. I just thought fridge <laughs> was no, in. Oh, no, the fridge is in is just a, yeah. okay. So, so, okay, so that was a two-way collab. Yeah. Brandon and I, we're just going to have fridge in it, and you guys, you're going to go with the fridge as a theme on top of it. No, I was, really I was telling Angela earlier, I'm not really a fan of prompts. I mean, if it's there, fine. Not really a fan of prompts, <laughs> but I think we have two prompts here Sorry. because the first prompt when I was doing the pre-recorded episode with um with Stephanie Lampoche, we was touching about fonts and shit, and we were talking about the worst font that everybody hates is the Ari the Ariel font, Ariel and then there's an Ariel black font, and I said, oh, that could be Ariel from the Little Mermaid's alter ego without the fins, where she's after the happiness, and then now we have fridge. That could be two different prompts right there: fridge and Ariel black. Good. Luck. I did put that uh that uh survey on whether or not Ariel uh, was a good font or not. And of course, I couldn't get the oh, results to so, post them, but um, they said people said people voted bad. Wait, so what's your opinion, side, Brandon? And then, uh, I think people said Ariel Black. Oh yeah, yeah Ariel. See, we were talking about Times New Roman versus Ariel. I like Times like, Roman personally for me. Times Roman publisher. rocks. Yeah, Times, Times Roman is it. Yeah. Like that, to me, but that's the most yeah. generic font, though. Is so it? generic. But you put Times Roman in bold. Everybody uses it. Magical. Everybody, yeah. You put yeah, Times true. Roman in bold. It is magical. I'm sorry. Well, I like Georgia. I like Georgia. The Georgia font. 
I don't like the Verderna because that's a copycat of Ariel. Special Elite. Yeah, Special Elite's Special not elite, bad. That's mine. There's it's one. Nice. Yeah. It's a typeface. But yeah, what do you? Yeah, what Brandon, do you, you feel about the Ariel font? Come on, Brad. The Ariel, one. I mean, I've, Brand's got to have a good font. I don't know that I've got a great font. I know that the Ariel font just kind of pisses me off all the time. You're so good. 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 You're so I like that's I like one point five. I'm a one point five double uh, um, space. I hate the double space. I feel like the lines are too like. I gotta have it one point five. And teachers need to get mad. I'm like, why do you put in one point five? Andy, you be you. Andy, that's why I appreciate you so much. You be you. Right. Yes, one point five. Teachers need to get mad. Okay, this needs to be because I, I don't like double space. That's too much. But yeah, Ariel font, nah. Even the Ariel Black font. See, but I was saying how that sounds like a person's name. Ariel Black. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a pen name. People said it was a pen okay, name. I don't pen name. name, but a pen name. Wait, Sarah Bellum. Somebody's I love name, it. yeah. My next, my next pen name, Sarah Bellum. I love it. <laughs> yeah. I got it. I got it. I <laughs> like, see what I you said there. Like, ah. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and you, you got me for about video, 10 yeah. more minutes, man. I'm going to go help with the kids after that. Ah. Uh, Oh, okay, okay. Well, well, hold on. Well, let's like, can we spend the last 10? Let's talk about that book because that's coming out because that's actually, it's not, we can't get it today. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, it's going to be, yeah, like, it's gonna be um, out when? so on the 21st, let's talk about the book that. of the sinking, uh, Brandon White Music and Poetry .com or Instagram. I'm Instagram's kind of my, my jam still. Uh, I'm going to try TikTok at some point if they don't ban it. We'll see how that goes. Uh, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah, I heard about that. But anyway, man, I. I really appreciate you guys having me here, and I, I hope we can do this again. I, I want to do more of this anyway, just having these conversations yes. and interacting in this way. So anytime uh, you've got something coming, you think awesome. that I would I would uh, help in any way, please let me know. Absolutely. Also, we, we had a sellout album, so let's like let's try and get your book up there. Best, you know, let's get everybody out there. So on Tuesday, everybody, we're all going to make sure we remember to post that, that we talked to you. We got the preview live, the pre-party for the uh, announcement of the third book. So again, if you haven't had the other opportunities, check out the first two. Andy, what were the names of the first two books? Okay, you right. Read, so the the them? light, the the year that stole the light from, yeah, it, it just yeah. You, you go ahead. I yeah, got you, I'm bro. sorry. Let let no, the authors. So you got the year that stole the light away. No, Andy did the rerun. I'm hearing. Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, that's the first one. And you got Real Big Americans in. And then you got Latest and the Greatest. We'll see how it goes. Nice. Nice. Oh, my God. Wow. Wonderful. wow. So that's awesome. Um, and uh, definitely, again, check it out. If you didn't get a chance to hear earlier, uh, Brandon talked about uh, a lot of the themes coming from uh, post-COVID, being a parent. Also, uh, being over 221 days. Uh, 209 today. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Congratulations. Oh, no. 209, I'm sorry. I, some reason, I'm, I'm already in the future with you. 209, sorry. Don't want to give it 209. So and that's, those are things that you're going to see Absolutely. in those themes in the book, right? Absolutely. Those are things that we'll feel from you. So 
Um, check that out. If you haven't checked this page, of course you have. So I don't even know why you're talking about yes. that. Uh, yeah. Right, uh, uh, right uh, everybody? They know him. Exactly. Thank I was going to ask you, um, before you have to leave, is there any thoughts of wisdom, knowledge, or um, just anything that you want to speak with any cl closing words? Yeah, it, it's uh, it's not going to be by the book, that's for sure. It's yeah, <laughs> I, I hope people enjoy the, the, the poetry. The, the one thing that I would say to anybody right now, it's it's the thing that's occupying my thoughts uh, almost all the time, is, is be gentle with one another. You know what I mean? Uh, Amen. It's, we've had enough of being at each other's throats. We, we understand how that game is played. It's led us nowhere. Uh, just try to be more loving. Try to try to take the time to be mindful. Take the time to enjoy being where your feet are, mm. and uh, maybe you know allow yourself a little less suffering. Other than that, uh, I really hope everyone enjoys the new book. Uh, we worked really hard on it. Tara did such a great job making it look so good. That is immaculate. Uh, I have to right. say, Tara, Tara man, like, is, yeah, yeah, Tara, we love Tara. We love I Tara. even got like and stuff published because like. She was very, I was very skeptical. She's like, Leon, um, I'm doing this book. Would you like to be a part of it? Oh, I don't know. She's like, Leon, you write really good. I, I will put you in a book. Okay, send me something. Okay. <laughs> Next thing I know. <laughs> yeah, well, I was, I might as well, I might as well make this announcement. So um, there's a, a it, they're not on Instagram, but they're online. It's called Spark Silent Press, and I have a piece that's actually going to get published, and the book comes out on March twentieth. Oh yeah, there you go. So yeah, yeah, I definitely want to Monday, me Tuesday. Right. Let's go, man. Yeah, right. let's yeah, do this. Let's yes, and yes, and oh yeah, she says she had to nag you, Leon. <laughs> she did. She did. Cause she let's listen. I, I literally came in with my poem on a deadline. Cause she listen. She nagged me for like almost a good like month or two months, and it was right on a deadline. I was like, fine, I'll just send this in. And then she was like, Leon, that's perfect. And I'm like, okay. And next thing I know, boom. Yeah. It oh, there out, it is. Actually, it came, yeah, it came, yeah. So I have so much love and respect for. It. Tarek. I know you're you're excited, she, right, Leon? Because you're gonna end in me. She's already believed in me. And anyone, and like Brandon will speak highly of her too. Like anyone who she meets up with, she genuinely cares about who she talks to. Like there's nothing. Yeah. She genuinely like cares and loves. It comes through in the work, yeah. man. Absolutely, yeah. It comes through in the work. And yeah, that's why we're seeing absolutely. that great work coming out from them. I mean, show the cover again. That yes. cover from Tara. That's a beautiful cover. That is and such a... Kind of the emotional now that's feeling a we're gonna situation get. right there. Listen, I know you don't judge a book by the cover, but I'm judging yeah. that book. Yes. That's that's sexy. We're kind of hoping people do judge this one by the cover, actually. <laughs> I mean, I feel right. like the I want to dive right into that book, honestly. Like, I feel like I'm going out into a real like, emotional ooh, sea, and I want to go on that journey. Like, I heard we heard a couple pieces tonight, Leon. I don't know uh, if you got to hear some of the new pieces that were previewed tonight. We heard the first one for sure. I didn't get it. Just kicked off in such a great way. I'm planning to catch the live later. I'll read one, one oh, more wait, so read, Leon oh, can have one. Okay. And then I'm going to let you guys uh -oh. go. Beautiful. Uh, Beautiful. But again, thank you. Thank uh, you so, so much for, for having me tonight and for allowing me to be a part of this with you. Absolutely. Uh, I love what you guys are doing. Any, anybody that's, that's working in service of others to, it's going to take a, 
a tide to lift all boats, right? Mm -hmm. So let's keep lifting each other and let's see how far we can go. But thank you all. And uh, this poem is called Dora. Dora, you've changed so much since we last spoke. I've always admired the confidence to reinvent one's presentation. I've had the same haircut for 10 years. Dora, I'm terrible when it comes to compliments. I swear I'd never offer up anything insincere, but the way they have to fight their way out of my mouth is exhausting. Mm. Dora, I once gifted a woman hand-carved wooden figurines that would hold each other forever, and a month later, I found them in a pile of trash behind her driver's side seat. Dora, they say happiness is a choice, which tells me that some are just better at turning away. I regret every slip of the tongue, and I remember them all. Dora, my childhood memories feel like someone else's life. I miss everything about simplicity, and the sound of my father having coffee each morning while the rest of us slept. Dora, I found infinite love in the wide-eyed wonder of my children. My youngest carries a pumpkin seed she believes to be holy because she knows something I've long forgotten. Mm. Dora, I cracked open a bottle and swallowed four years. Dora, I've come to rebuild, and I'm ready to begin. Wow. There you go. I felt that. Oh, I felt yeah, guys, brother, big, big, big love. Thank you guys so much for having me tonight. I appreciate you. Yes, okay. absolutely. God bless you, brother. Bless you. Way to drop yeah. us. Yeah. Let's do this again soon, yeah. Yes. Absolutely. Yes. yes. All right. Please. Absolutely. All right, guys. Big love. Big love. Thank Talk you. Later. Oh. Thank you. All right. I'm also jumping off too. All right. All right. Oh my. my God! Wow, brother. Yeah. Wow. Amazing. That was Bro, that, that was good. <laughs> that is a sexy situation brought to you by Brandon White. Yes. I'm 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 oh glad I'm on to like the second half of it. I'm sorry I missed the first half. No, um, no, it's fine. You know what? It happens so organically and I love it. I said, Oh, you know what? Let's I could do the four way now and look and look how amazing this is, bro. Yeah. Like Absolutely. Wow. Oh. <sighs> oh. All right, guys, thank you for joining us. Um, God bless each and every one of you. Let's do this again sometime. Just keep on the lookout for the next live um, and also the next episode. Um, depending, I think, which, because I know we have, it, that's funny, because, okay, because Stephanie Lance's um, episode was supposed to come out yesterday, but it was a little bit delayed. So I had to, you know, the order of the episode has to, you know, whatever it is, what it is. So it'll be up by Monday. And then you and I are going to um, finally, uh, interview Tara Calibu, which I'll tell you more about it, you know, in private, but just keep on looking for that episode. And then Friday the 31st, yes, um, I'm going to go, me and Angela are going to be going live with uh, Flow CC Flow. So uh, just keep on lookout for that, for everything else. Um, yes, it's definitely such an honor to have met Brandon and to have read his work. Um, I can't wait for that book to come out. I have I have both ebooks. I have the Poet Symphony book as well on here. So, um, yeah, dude, like ebooks, man. But I, I definitely want to get the physical book for sure. Yes. Oh yes, please, please, please. Do. Yeah. So guys, thank you for joining us for this amazing live. And um, until next time, um, good fight, good night. I get. I don't know. I want celebrity death. Thank night. you, man. <laughs> good fight, good night. <laughs>
That's yeah, that's from Celebrity Deathmatch. I don't know. Oh, my God. Remember Celebrity Deathmatch? You know, yes.